Create, connect, communicate. Create, connect, communicate. Magical, enigmatical, gift of gab, super, natural, story, from the space Come, well lit. Does she want to chill in here? They could they could also go outside if they want into the Okay, man, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's up yeah. to you guys? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Either way. Go for You guys might be bored of us men talking yeah, men shit. You know. Yeah, yeah, you can bring her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like yeah. Mocha, go. <laughs> like, yeah, getting some love. <laughs> Dope. Nice. All right. So we will we'll just We'll just do it. Hell yeah, man. Fire it up. All yeah. right, here we go. Good afternoon, ladies, gentlemen, and not under-aged children who love to giggle. Today is a fei-chang funny day for those who love to laugh. For this seriously hilarious occasion, we have an inappropriate guest here in our Space Lab studio in Da'an, Taipei, Taiwan who has made it one of his many sole purposes in life to make people giggle. Not only does he make people laugh on the stage, but he also stages shows where people around him stand up and engage in artful activities of the mouth that also arguably make people laugh. This craft is so-called comedy, and this man is a comedian, or a, in Taiyu, a comedian, or a comic, or one half of two, three, comedy, Taipei's only and definitely greatest bilingual comedy club in the whole world. So what I'm really telling you is, this man is Sam, and his last name is Yarborough. And there's really no reason I need to say this in this kind of ambiguously appropriated accent, but what the hell? I reckon it's what I just done did, and y'all are gonna have to live with it, wake up and live with it after y'all go back to sleep, doggone it. So, without further ado, let us ring in another episode of Firelight Chats with me, Mocha. No, Mocha is gone. The two <laughs> ladies took her Girls away. Took Mocha. <laughs> Mocha just got kidnapped. And the aforementioned man of the next few hours, Sam Yarbs. Dude, thank you so much for having me. Hell of an intro, man. Thank wow. you, sir. Wow. What a performance. You know, we got to do it for the man himself. <laughs> That's truly you know? professional. We got to live up to the, to the man, the myth. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Yeah. How you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm doing all right. I hope I can live up to that, man. That was quite the, yeah, I'm, I'm still blown away. I'm, I I'm know. Real, we I'm, put the pressure on immediately. <laughs> That's what we do here, you know? I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, bring it on. So we are here on the eve of Qingmingjie. That's right. Yeah. One of my favorite holidays. Exactly. A very important one. Tomb sweeping. We must pay respects. We got it. To the dead ones. Can you imagine if they had this holiday in the U.S.? Can, oh, you, can you imagine? Dude, you what would it be like in the Imagine US? telling Americans they have to do chores on their holiday. And they <laughs> we have got to a long weekend. We're we going to barbecue? It's like, no, you're going to sweep, actually. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to sweep. And you have to pay respects to dead people. Yeah. Yeah. You got to think about death. That, that wouldn't go over well. It's the most Taiwanese holiday, right? I think so. It's just parental guilt <laughs> taken 
to the furthest extreme, right? Exactly. You're Taiwanese kid your entire life. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> cleaned your room and then <laughs> finally they died. Now it's clean my tomb. It's clean, right on. The, clean the room to clean the tomb. Just right. Yeah. Never stops. Oh, that's a good slogan, actually. Never I stops. like that. Never stop. You're Taiwanese. It never stops. Yeah. I know. Families you can never everything. escape it. Mm-hmm. Happy tomb sweeping, man. Happy, Happy tomb sweeping. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Drink some black coffee to that. Dude, pour some, it. Pour nice. some uh, black coffee out. It's a step up. For the homies. My, you my know? usual 7-Eleven fare. It's a step up. I appreciate it. I know. It. This is some good stuff. We <laughs> will not say the name because they haven't sponsored us yet. Hey, there you <clears> go. <throat> so anyone, anyone uh, any coffee company out there looking to sponsor the greatest, then... You know, we're all ears. Maybe a rogue barista, just uh, do a solo Patreon. Yeah. True. There you go. True. Yeah. Any baristas out there yeah, yeah. want to just be sitting out here in the back? I was chilling. a barista for a while. Ooh. I did that in the, in the States. I, I mean, I did that after I, I taught English in Korea. After I came back, I spent all my money traveling and I had no money. I had to work at a coffee shop in my hometown. Oh, damn. Where my high school was. Yeah. Okay. All my ex high school teachers would come in and see me working there, like, oh, Sam, look Sam, at you. Look you... how you do. I was the worst fucking barista. I had the most returned coffees of anybody damn. in a year. I had no idea what anything was. No, it never trained me. I know. How do you get returned coffees? Cappuccino. You give, you give someone who orders a mochiato a latte. A you know, yeah, and you, just give, a... you just give them the wrong drinks, dude. <laughs> you just give them the wrong thing. And yeah. you just poison people who yeah, are lactose like, intolerant. This is not what I ordered. And at they're all. like, I'm farting, <laughs> you mother. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll try again. I only know three different recipes back here, man. And they all involve foam. Yeah, so it's all foam ratios. Exactly. <laughs> that was your first post high school job? No, no, no. This was post teaching English in Korea. This I was in my mid twenties. Okay. Yeah. No, this was like crash landing post like spending all my money. Like I was back at home again. I was a bum. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a low point. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. How long did you do that for? I did it till I saved enough money to move to Boston oh. <laughs> to get out of my hometown. I grew up in Vermont, so my hometown was up there. So I'm like 26 and I was working the job. That was the job that the high school kids would do after high school. And, you know, when you have that like kind of high school job, there's always like the older guy who works there. And mm. you're always like, man, not me. Never going to be me. Right. And then I and then, then that, and then that was me. You. And then that was me. <laughs> that was me for a bit. That was me for a while. There was a high school kid who was my manager. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. no, they would come in at like three o'clock after school. I feel like, damn it. My manager's here. Oh, shit. shit. It was you were in your mid 20s. Yeah, I was like 26, 27. Oh, that's dope. Fucking up lattes. Exactly. <laughs> Like, Sam, damn it. Sam, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. Get your shit together. You're on the register again. You can't handle the, you can't handle the espresso machine. Get out of there. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's no good. What did you learn from that experience? Were there any life lessons to be learned? Oh, yeah. Keep, yeah. Save a little bit of money, man. Don't, don't go to zero. <laughs> don't go to zero. Even don't, if the road is fun, man. Yeah. Don't, don't gamble at all. Yeah, dude. Because you're going to end up like this. Yeah. You got to figure, yeah. I got to, I went back to nothing. I was broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. I wish I could say I figured I learned how to make coffee, but it's still, yeah. But still, no, that's no. not there. Still not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I appreciate it. I tip my, my baristas now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Respect yeah. all the baristas out there. Absolutely. Working hard, man. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Because mm -hmm. a good coffee is, is necessary. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Gotta have it. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so, well, before we, because I want to ask you about the Korean Hagwan days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bushibang days. But before that, mm -hmm. we have to make an announcement, which we will make again towards the end. But yeah, yeah. there is a pretty awesome, amazing show coming up at 2-3 Comedy. We'll also yes, get sir. into 2-3 Comedy, all of your work behind that as well. But let's talk about that show. Yeah. What is coming up? Ron Jossel, April 15th, 8 o'clock, 2-3 Comedy, man. We're super excited. Uh, Ron's an amazing comedian, uh, Canadian-Filipino comic who's toured all over. 
just for laughs, uh, breakout star at the festival there. He just filmed a special for Dry Bar. If you watch any of the clips online, he's got a clip that's blowing up right now, over 3 million views on Facebook. Check out Ron Jossel. Um, yeah, amazing comic and a pro. And for us, kind of a, a benchmark, kind of a milestone. I was mentioned to uh, off mic before. He's the first comic that 2 3 is bringing over on a work visa. So, this is um, a big kind of breakthrough moment where we're truly planting our flag as an international club where we're having, um, you know, we've been blessed and lucky to have a few comics from abroad come over uh, who were Taiwanese, uh, mm. so we have the citizenship, who were able to perform. But he's the first comic that we were able to properly like bring over and do right. So, uh, we're super, super excited for that one. April 15th, Saturday at 8 p.m. Send a message to uh, the 23 Comedy Facebook to reserve your seat. Yeah. So it's Ron Jossel, J-O-S-O-L. J-O-S-O-L, yeah, Ron Jossel. Yeah, yeah. Check out his clip, The Difference Between Chinese and Filipinos. It's a hilarious clip uh, he's got circulating right now. And yeah, I mean, he's just a pro. I mean, it's, it's uh, if you're a fan of comedy, to see a real touring professional live. And the room we got, you know, you've seen our room. It's a, yep. it's a tight room. It's a small space, so... To be able to see like a pro touring there is, uh, yeah. If yeah. you like comedy, that's what you, you got to be there. Yeah, exactly. So all you comedy geeks, nerds, aficionados, connoisseurs out here yeah. in Taiwan, wherever you are around the island, tickets come. are only five hundred NT. Five hundred NT. Five hundred. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's be a two-hour show. Five hundred NT. Get a drink with that too. It's crazy. Holy sh! People. Yeah. People. If the lines are not ringing off the off the hooks right now, you guys are crazy. You cannot miss out. Let's pack it out for Ron, man. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Give him a nice welcome. Yeah, yeah. Filipino Canadian. Yeah, yeah. That's already going to be funny. Dude, he said he's pumped (laughs) for the food, dude. He's like, I want to cut. You got to show me the food. I'm like, no, I got, man, I got to show him some good food. I got to show him a good time with these food. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to, what is on the, on the roster? What is on the plan? Probably Thai Hu for hamburger. It's probably, no, no, no. no, (laughs) um, Exactly. uh, Take him to all the expat areas. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like, yeah, this is, yeah. This is pasta. Uh, no, I'll probably do. Yeah, no, I don't know, man. I got, I got, I got to scour. I got to recommend. Like Kwai Chow would be my go-to. I do you know one of the rich house. Something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with menus he cannot read. That yeah. would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beer girls walking around. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like live lobsters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dude. I think maybe like yeah, like that. Yeah, um, like the yeah, some of the Kwai Chow stuff. I think that'd be the move. Yeah, 100%. pre-show something like that. But I, would, I mean, night market. I don't know. Maybe a little. He's in the night before, so I'm not sure. Okay. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll get some good recommendations. Hot pot. We'll see how it goes. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Before we'll the take show, care of the belly, though. Yeah. Yeah. Before the show last week, Quan Wen, Quan yeah. Wen Huang, right? Yeah. You alluded to it. A Taiwanese yeah. guy who was, I think, out in Europe and then came. Yeah, back. he's based in London, man. Yeah, blowing up in London. Yeah, he mm. was, did a fantastic show last Friday. He performed. Uh, he previewed. Basically, he's heading to the Edinburgh Fringe this year with his uh, solo show, Ila Formosa, about, um, you know, leaving Taiwan, moving to London and finding success and stand up there. Mm. And he gave us a little preview of what that show is going to be for a Taiwanese audience, uh, which is super special. We're lucky to have him through. Uh, and yeah, so check out Quan Wen Huang. Uh, definitely. Yeah. All, he's got videos all over YouTube, Facebook as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was there for that first show. I mean, for that show, that was my actually first show. Believe nice. it or not, at Two Three Comedy, and it oh, was yeah. amazing. I nice. I really loved it, and the reason I mention it is because before that, I actually went to a real chow. Oh, nice on Linsen Bay. So yeah, Linsen Bay can't well, go wrong. Exactly. Good Japanese food there too, man. Yeah, true yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, a few lot spots. of good Japanese food, barbecue restaurants, yep, yep. like Korean barbecue. All oh kinds yeah, 
Oh, yeah, we're going tomorrow night to do a little Korean barbecue down there. Ooh, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, nice. What's On it called? Do you know? To. I don't know the name, okay. I don't, but it's the same spot I always go to, man. Oh. Yeah, it's down on, um, you know, south of Valinson Park. It's a little spot. I don't know. They have really, really good. They do the short ribs. Mm. Uh, it's really, really nice. Yeah. Okay. Cr- like good Korean barbecue. <sighs> Dude, you can't go wrong with short ribs. Can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, short yeah. Ribs that's the move. Korean short Everyone ribs. Everyone gets the samgyeopsal, the, um, you know, the yeah, pork. Yeah, the pork. It's good, but. Pork belly. Yeah, yeah, it's good, but yeah, man, get some good short rib. Yeah, that's the move. Okay, dude, move. it looks like Korea's calling. We will get into Korea in a minute. But Ron yeah, yeah. Jossel, remember, Ron April fifteenth. That's right. Eight p.m. I will be there. Sam will Hell be there, yeah. and Ron will hopefully be there. Ron's gonna be there. Ron's yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. be there. Ron better be there. He's in Thailand <laughs> right now, so yeah, hope he's helping me. He's doing some crazy gigs in Thailand right now. So oh, dude, we gotta fun, yeah. yeah, we gotta talk about Thailand as well. Yeah, man, yeah. we gotta just skip hop and jump all around Asia. Today. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. All right. Like, so man. let's go directly and then we'll come back to Taiwan eventually. But yeah. Korea. Yeah, man. Tell us about Korea. Korea was wild. So I went there right after university. So I was in my early 20s and I was just teaching English. I was just doing the classic English uh, teaching thing. I love Korea and the way like I think your first time living abroad, you're going to fall in love wherever you are. Right. And I was I don't think that I um, it was a different experience than my time in Taiwan. I was a younger guy. I was going out and partying a lot. I wasn't into comedy yet. I wasn't doing any comedy. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I had an amazing time. Loved it there. Loved Korea. Loved the food. Love. I live in Busan down the south. Oh, you were yeah. in Busan. I was down near the beach, man. Yeah, it was great. Hyundai. Gwangan. Diamond Bridge Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sweet Diamond Bridge. Yeah. Is that the bridge that from Hyundai you could see it going across or no? No, Gwangan Beach is the one you see it going across on Gwangan Beach. So Gwangan oh. Beach is the second like popular beach in town. Hyundai is like the crazy, crazy that's one. Right. Uh, and Gwangan's the one that's a little bit more of a bay, and that's where you have the bridge going across. So if you've seen the picture of the from the beach with the bridge, mm-hmm. that's Gwangan Beach. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's okay. pretty close to Hyundai, like a couple of MRT stops, basically. Yeah. Right. But I lived a ten minute. It's actually funny. So I got posted in my school, and they they sent me to the school. I forget the name. I think it was called Saha something. And then um, they switched me the week before I was going to go. They're like, we're switching you to Guangan. I like, I was mad. I was like, you can't, you, yeah. you're throwing me off a week before I'm coming back. Right. Like, it's crazy. And I had a friend who was living in Busan at the time. And I told him and he was like, dude, shut the fuck up. This is the best thing that ever happened to you. They oh. moved you. It'd be like the equivalent of like my first spot was like Damshui. And then they moved me to like, actually, you're going to be in the Shinyi branch. Like, right. You're, you're going to save so much money on taxis exactly. from this move alone. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. From like Tampa Bay to like yeah, yeah, Miami yeah. Beach. Yeah, not to shit on Damshui. Damshui is actually tight. I love Damshui. But <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. we got to be careful with these comparisons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what would be like, we're, we're like, somewhere we can, Shinyi. <laughs> we we're somewhere we can talk Damn about. you. <laughs> I'm from Shinyi. <laughs> I was just in Shindian the other day. I stopped by on the way to, up to Ulai, man. I was getting my hot oh, spring on. Yeah. Where are you? I was trying to pow myself. Yeah. I was oh, getting in the water. Yeah, yeah. You're enjoying life here, sir. It's good, man. Yeah. Life is good. You got you to gotta relax, man. Get out to Ulai, get in the, get in the water. It's great. Dude, Ulai, I went to a pretty amazing kind of resort there. And oh, yeah. the water is so beautiful. So nice. It's like blue, crystal blue. So like, nice. And it doesn't have the smell. It doesn't have the Beto stank on it. You know, right. it's got that. Yeah. No sulfur. Exactly. It's just chill. You're just chilling in hot water. It smells just great. Get you like 10 years younger when you get out. <laughs> I guess yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to work on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might have had a little too much of that. Uh, what's that? What's that? Ren Juming? Is that Mijo or Meijo? Whichever one they got. Yeah. Right. Whatever yeah. it is that. <laughs> That might have counteracted the restorative effects <laughs> of the water. But yeah, <laughs> I felt good. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how old were you when you uh, so went to Korea? Korea was uh, 22, 23, like okay. immediately post-graduating from university. Okay. It was like my first move. Oh, I guess I, I did like a year in Boston before. So like 23. Yeah. And I okay. was there two years. 
and yeah, just loved it. But it was just like a, like kind of a first living abroad experience. You know, I'm just teaching English, going out every night, you know, partying, uh, drinking and, and having a lot of fun. Great friends, made some really good friends on that trip. And then um, afterwards was lucky enough to be able to travel for about six months you know, with the, uh, with the money saved from teaching in Korea, spending all that money, as mentioned before, mm. thus oh necessitating the, uh, <laughs> the, the short-term gig the at, the, post. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, at the, at the coffee shop upon returning home. But yeah. Uh, but no, I loved it there. Um, I know I didn't, you know, like in my short time there and as a younger guy, I didn't really, you know, embrace and get into the local culture as much. I learned how to read quickly, you know, Korean, you Hangul. can pick it up. Yeah. It's pretty easy to, you yeah, can pick learn. up the reading super fast. Yeah. 100%. And then, uh, but like the speaking and stuff like that, I was always slow on. And then, um, but yeah, no, it's fantastic, man. Can't say enough good things about Korea. I want to go back. I want to get back to Busan. I love it there. Yeah. I yeah. love Korea. Were yeah. you able to go up to Seoul and yeah, I mean, able to for sure. And I, that's one thing I think about that's so much. I didn't take advantage of like, I barely left Guang on beach bro wow. like i was right there i was like you could find me all your money you know your where money to find is like me. littered <laughs> yeah. if people take like a metal detector they're gonna find all your i prefer to say i reinvested it in the community oh, but yeah yeah i was uh, yeah I was, I was philanthropic of exactly you. i was like kind of a startup uh yeah i was an incubator um yeah so um no but i did get up to seoul a couple times and i traveled a little bit but like um for the time I was there, I probably saw less of the country than you, you might expect. Yeah. Right. I wasn't hitting like a true traveler, you know, like I got to check this list off. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm having a great I'm time. I'm chilling. I'm in the best place. Yeah. yeah the beach is 10 minutes that way. Great. Right. Yeah. That's where I'll be. Busan's so chill too. So chill. It's so good. That's why when I moved to Taiwan, I moved to Kaohsiung first. Cause I had this, Ooh, I had this mindset in my head. I'm like, I'm a second city boy. I'm a Southern city boy. Right. And I got to Gaoshing. I was like, this isn't Busan. <laughs> I was like, uh, Busan's actually probably closer to Taipei really. Cause it's that. still a big city, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love Gaoshing to death, but it took me a while to like, get. You know, I was like, man, this is not like, yeah, this is not the this same. Is, yeah. It's almost uh-huh. like it's a different country. What's going on? I know. What, <laughs> what the, the hell? <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> Shattering my mindset. Right? I know. <laughs> I know. Did you? Were you able to get down even farther south to like Jeju-do? I never went to Jeju-do. <gasps> never went. Yeah. How dare you get out of here Dude, right now? I did, it's Jeez. disgusting. Yeah. It's I crazy. Know. I didn't. Yeah. I went to, we went up to Daegu a, a bunch of times, Seoul Ooh. a couple times, maybe a couple other trips around like nearby Busan, but man, no. Nah, like, mm. yeah, I wasn't like, yeah. Went to Japan on the boat a few times. They have that ferry boat. It's like a three-hour ferry ride over to Fukuoka. Okay. You can go over to Fukuoka, which is funny. I used to think Japan was like, I was like, that's cool, but like Korea is way like busier or bigger. It's just because I only saw Fukuoka, you know? Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Like, yeah, yeah. So I've only been to Fukuoka. <laughs> I was like, well, everyone's all like, hyped about what? Japan. Japan. Yeah, yeah, like that's it's the like same a port. Down. Yeah, it's a small little town, whatever like that. They're like, dude, Tokyo? Have you ever heard? Like, yeah. But um, yeah, so when we'd, we'd take the boat over because I taught with some guys who were on the... Um, they were doing, they didn't have the proper visa. They had to, so they do the three month. Uh, oh, they're know. doing like visa runs. Yeah, exactly. So they do the boat <laughs> visa runs. That's a special kind of visa run. You don't have money for the plane. <laughs> You're doing your visa run on a boat. Damn, yeah, three hour. Really? It was a three hour ferry over to Fukuoka. So we'd yeah, go over there for the weekend. And I was on the, I had the paperwork, but I was chilling. Yeah, just going to yeah. get some ramen. Yeah. Yeah, Korean bushibang or hagwon yeah. uh, labor practices are pretty special. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Especially back in those days. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but still. I taught 4 to 10 p.m., man. My class ended at 10 p.m. with these kids, dude. It was wild, man. 
the pressure these kids are under is insane. And, and Taiwan is tough. Don't get me wrong. It's really, really tough. But the stuff I saw in Korea from like the way that those kids, I, it was incomparable, man. Well, they have that big test to say, you know, Taiwan similar has that big high school test, right? The one test to define your life. Yeah. This is the craziest thing I heard. So they had a special Bushiban, uh, Hagwan in Korea, right? right. So you go to Hagwan, whatever like that. Normal kids day is they have a private tutor come over 7 to 8 p.m. 7 to 8 a.m., excuse me. Uh, and then they go to school 8 a.m to like three or four, whatever like that. Then they hit Hagwan number one. That'll take you four to seven, three hours. Then Hagwan number two, seven to 10. And then there's a special Hagwan they open. It was only during this test time. The kids would go home, do their homework, sleep at 12. Parents wake them up at 2 a.m. It's a three to 5 a.m. Hagwan. That only is open during this test time. Three to 5 a.m. And they go back home, get another hour of sleep, rinse, wash, repeat. Dude. Yeah, so these things would pop open for like two weeks. I heard about these uh, these kids would come in. The most, pop up hog ones. Just the most tired. <laughs> just the most tired kids you've ever seen, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's People so be like, sad. do you have discipline problems? I'm like, no, they're yeah, they're dead. perfect. They're <laughs> they're dead. They're asleep. Man. They don't yeah. even. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, open they your book. Barely books. breathe. <laughs> they're out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, I mean that's the pressure, man. When you have that one, like you said, that one test to define all. Define your. And life. then they get to college, right? And it's just like it's party time, man. Exactly. We're in. Exactly. We're in. You know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's the problem with Asia, right? Maybe the beauty of Asia, but that's a yeah. problem with Asia, where <laughs> you know it's like really flipped with the states, right? Where yeah. in the states we usually like jack off in in high school, and mm-hmm. then we have to get our shit together in yeah, yeah, yeah. college, right? But exactly. Yeah, yeah. In Asia, it's the opposite, where they are yeah. just like drill sergeant crazy yeah. discipline in high school but then by the time they get to college they are just they give up on life yeah once you're <laughs> exactly it's like i yeah i'm burnt out all of that is done yeah, yeah, yeah. i spent all that already yeah, yeah. So, exactly yeah. wow what is your most memorable experience there in korea dang most memorable experience in korea either work or on the beach oh it's a good one man um man i wish i had thought about this one more my most memorable experience in korea man Man, the beach probably takes up a bunch of it. Just being stupid, man. We were so dumb then. <laughs> and we used to go, there was this bar on the beach. Uh, it's called Thursday Party. And they had these amazing Long Islands and you can get them to go. So we'd get them to go on the beach and we'd buy those uh, those Roman candle shooters, whatever. Yeah. And we'd have these fights. We call them uh, Harry Potter fights, you know, where you, they shoot off the, you know, so you take 10 paces and you light your thing. We'd be just firing Roman candles no at each other way. on the beach. <laughs> just like this boardwalk, right? Um, yeah, that was those were some super fun nights, but... Um, Oh, this was a good one. They have the the sushi, the the style in Korea is quite different, right? Mm. Like I think you call it hue. And the hue is like, they have these fish markets, the ground floor, you buy the fish and then it's, you elevate her up to the restaurants and they just chop that fish up and it's sashimi, right? And it's really good, but it's very different than if you're used to like regular sashimi because it's not like guayu, a tuna or anything like that. It's very, very fishy, very chewy, mm. right? So you really got to be into it. But it's good. And we would go and you get the soju and we have fun. But they'd always include this one dish with it where they'd take the organs from the fish and the bones and they'd make this stew. Um, and it was so fishy. And my friends, the, the Waigooks, you know, the Waigorans mm. over there, we weren't super into that fish stew. And it was expensive. It would come on the bill. It'd be like an extra, like, I want to say an extra, like, 20, 30 bucks on the bill. And so we were, like, trying to think, how can we go and not get this soup? You know, like, yeah. we don't want this stew. A couple that's been hanging out with these Korean girls. We're like, we'll invite them. It'll be cool because they'll want to come and get the hui because that's, like, pimp. Right. So we'll go with them and we'll be like, hey, girls, can you tell them, you know, use the Korean and tell them we don't want the stew, right? right. So we're there. We got everything set up. We're drinking soju. We're hanging out all the way it's beautiful two pots of the stew come out just bubbling and boiling we're like girls like what's going like what's up like we said no for the stew they're like 
the stew is very delicious. And they just go to town <laughs> and they both just eat all the stew. So they got the full thing That's for free. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, oh, all right, man. cool. Well played. Well played. Yeah, that was well played. Well played, ladies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. The stew is delicious. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. the uh, Sangyapsal is very famous in Sangyapsal. Yeah, you got the yeah. whole man. That's the that's the pork belly, right? Exactly. That's the pork belly, yeah. You can get the super thin cut. Like I don't know, that's the one because the Korean BBQ in Taiwan. Maybe you can recommend a good place for me, man. Because mm. I find they do like a really thick cut a lot here in Taiwan. You get that thicker pork belly, right. which is good. But like in Korea, they really thin slice it, right? So mm. you, you quick wrap it in some lettuce, right? And oh, it's good, right? So salty, so, it's yeah. Beautiful. So I haven't quite found the place that does it that way in Taipei. So if you know a spot, hit me up. Mm, yeah, for me sure. Know. Yeah, because that Korean BBQ is no joke. Yeah, it is no joke. Yeah, no yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. Samgyeopsal. Yeah, I mean all the food, kimchi. That was on the, you know, the kimchi jjigae, everything like that. Yeah, super super good, man. Yeah. yeah. So all in all, you had a good time in Korea. I had an amazing time, man. I loved it there. Yeah, I had a fantastic experience. Again, first time living abroad, so like first, you know, that became like the benchmark against when you start like comparing other experiences too, right? Right. Which like, in a way was like took me a while to get over that, where it's just like you can't like just expect everything to be like Korea. Exactly. And you're also not 23 anymore. You know? Right, so right. it's not gonna be not gonna go the same bro <laughs> yeah exactly so uh rewind a little bit yeah, you yeah. were mentioning about college so what was your college life like you were yeah. in boston or no i went in- to college in montreal i grew up in vermont which is in between boston and montreal and i applied to schools in uh, in both cities because i was set on going to boston so not montreal canada Montreal, Canada, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Montreal, okay, Canada. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. no, Vermont is a two hours, if you drive two hours, three hours north, you get to Montreal, Canada, I and see. down two hours south to Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and I applied to school. This was a great a great thing my mom did, man. Um, she, I was dead set on going to Boston. I was a big Celtics fan. I was like, I want to be in Boston, the city. Canada's cool, but whatever. The Canadian schools are significantly cheaper. Even for Americans, the government subsidized that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the amount of loans I would have to take out was going to be very, very different. But I'm 18. I'm dumb as, you know, I didn't, I was like, well, yeah, loans, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I could take those. Yeah. So I went to Boston and, like, I did the college trip, right? Like, the yeah. standard visit. My parents sent me on that. You spend a night in the dorms. You do, like, the campus visit. Cool, cool, cool. But my mom was like, you have to go see McGill in Montreal. You have mm. to go visit. And I was like, fine, of course, I'll go visit whatever like that. So I'm like, what, am I going to do this, the campus tour or whatever like that? She's like, nah, I got your hotel room. You can go with two of your friends and you guys are good. Just try to make sure you see the campus. Mm. She knew that there was an 18-year-old drinking age in Montreal. And she knew exactly what me and my friends are going to do, yeah. which is go hard out. So I think... It's like smash cut to like middle of the night that night. I'm just drunk on St. Catherine Street screaming like, I'm going to McGill. <laughs> yeah, that was guaranteed. She played it perfectly, man. She, and it saved me so much money in the long run, you know, like I ended no up going way. to this great school. Like, you know, I hate yeah, to be like, McGill's a great school. That's how I chose the school. But that was no small part of it, man. Because Montreal is such a fun city, man. So fun. Have you been? Have no, you? no, oh, I you haven't. got to get up there, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Get up there in the summer, though. It's so okay. cold in the winter. It's oh, so damn. Right, and I grew right, up right. in Vermont and I'm saying it's so cold cold in the winter yeah, yeah, true yeah, that. yeah. it's just it's, it's on the island man so it's just different but um you get that wind kind of like chicago the wind, dude yeah you get yeah. the wind and it's just like it, it's negative 40 for two weeks that's not okay yeah negative four people like yeah. is that celsius or fahrenheit it's like it's actually that's when they meet again that's when right. the scale they exactly. become the same it's like full circle <laughs> exactly it's the or dante's circle of yeah, hell the snake eating its own tail man yeah it's <laughs> uh true. 
It's wild, dude. Yeah. So, but no, go in the summer, jazz festival in the summer. Oh my Ooh. God. Montreal's amazing, man. Old city, like it's like an old European vibe in the old port. And then it's got, I mean, amazing. Yeah, it's just great. So I went there um, and uh, I loved it. I loved the city. I loved the school. I was a, I was a mediocre student, I'd say. I'd get, I got my shit together, my, as we were talking about. I got my shit together my senior year to get out of there with a, with a good degree. Mm. I studied political science. I was like, mm. maybe I'll be a lawyer or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And now you do comedy. Now I do comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. just like politics. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Well, I grew up. My parents. <laughs> um, my mom's a poet, and my Ooh. dad's a painter. He's an abstract artist. Okay. So when I was telling them, like, you know, I want, I think I'm going to be a lawyer. They were looking at me like I had two heads. They were like, oh, "What are you doing? How dare you?" So when I started stand up comedy, they were like, "Finally, you found a way to That's... to also not make money for the rest of your life." They're like, "Yes, <laughs> just like us. It's we are less, proud of you, son. It's less lucrative than poetry. Congratulations, son. Well played. Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, man. yeah." So my parents ended up being, they're academics. They're both uh, professors their whole life, right? Ooh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, uh, the creative pursuits. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. What kind of poetry? Um, how does Recite something from your mother. Oh, Jesus. Oh, your mom's listening. Here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. My, my mom probably will listen to this, actually. Hey, mom. Uh, my mom's an amazing poet. National Book Award 2013 finalist, man. Yeah. Ooh, sorry. Go down and read. Shout out, yeah, Miss Yarbs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is it Yarbs? She's Huntington. Oh, it's Huntington. She okay. kept Huntington because her first book was published under Huntington. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, Cynthia Huntington. Check out her. Terra Nova was the, I think, the most recent one. So Terra Nova was the most recent one. It's a prose poem. Most of her stuff was collections of poems, but the most recent one is a prose poem, which is a, a retelling of the book of Genesis from the point of view of the main character who has these epileptic episodes that give them flashbacks and uh, visions, including these visions of like Viking ancestry and stuff like that. Whoa. But it's written in prose poetry, so it's not like a, it's not a straightforward thing, whatever like that. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, Terra Nova, amazing. Oh, that's um, crazy. And I think, I forget the book that was the National Book Award, uh, the collection. I think that was Uh-oh. Meds or the one before Meds, the Heavenly Bodies. I think it's Heavenly, Heavenly Bodies. Bodies. Yeah, I think that's the one. Your mother is pounding the table right now no 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 she's good man she's good. i think she'd be surprised i remember those names right, on the right, spot. Right. actually i think she'd be like oh nice. like, you yeah, go yeah. son you got a few yeah yeah, yeah yeah you got a few yeah yeah so she's a poet and my dad's an abstract painter so i grew up in a pretty yeah, artistic household and so, so. okay yeah, yeah, yeah do you think that that has anything to do with you know kind of your current trajectory now that yeah for sure i think in one sense of being like like being okay with not figuring stuff out till later, that mm. kind of thing, where it wasn't like I didn't grow up under the pressure of like what path are you on, what trajectory you're on. And sometimes I feel like I could have used that a little bit more, but at the same time, I've, I'm happy with where I ended up, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Mm. I never was like I never was like set on a path where it's like, what are you going to do with this degree? What are you doing with this? It's like they had faith that I'd figure stuff out and things like that. And that came from them taking a long time to figure their own stuff out as mm. you know, creatives, right? Of course, so, yeah. So, um, wow. Yeah. What do you think if? You had become a lawyer. Man, I don't know. Where well, would you be all, right now? Well, first of all, law school would have been a trip, man. That would have been wild. So I'll tell you real quick, like how, so I moved to Taiwan to apply to law school, right? You moved to Taiwan to apply to That Taiwan. was my goal. So here's the thing. So okay. explain yourself. U.S., if you want to be a lawyer, you have the LSAT. You familiar with the yes, LSAT? Yes, LSAT. If anyone's not, it's a big test. It's like the SATs. You have to have a, a good score. It's right? like that one test that defines your life, like in Korea. It's the one test that defines your <laughs> law school potentialities. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and the, the key with it is when you take the test, you can use that score for five years. Mm. You do not have to apply the same year as the test. That score is valid for five years. So I took the test and I got a good score. Mm. I did well. 
And for me, that was a five-year get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. Anytime somebody asks you, what are you doing with your life? You're just living over in Korea, getting drunk and teaching English? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fast track. I got this LSAT, man. Dude, yeah, yeah, I got this be a lawyer. five years. I would literally tell them, like, I still got friends messaging me sometimes from Korea. They'd be like, five years, Sam? Five years? <laughs> You've been in Taiwan 10 now, right? Five years, right? <laughs> right. So five years. So finally, you know, I moved back um, after two years in Korea. I moved back home. I was in Boston. Uh, and my five years, my clock is running up. It's time to now or never with that score. And I'm like, all right, I've been saying I'm going to do it for five years. I got to do it. But I was working at the time, public relations firm in Boston. And it's just like, that was post 2008 stuff. You know, this was like 2011, 2012. Ooh. And it was just hours were crazy. You know, it was just like, you know, like good job, great boss, everything like that. But it was just crazy. So I'm like, how am I going to do these law school applications? Like you have to write essays and get reference and do all the, you know, so like a bit of a job. And I was like, you know, when I had a lot of free time was when I was teaching English. I had a lot of free time mm -hmm. when I was teaching English. And uh, I've done Korea thing before. And I was like, maybe somewhere else. And so I moved to Taiwan to teach English for a year to work on my law school applications. Oh, it was my last year of eligibility, and I was accepted. I got in. I got into a bunch of schools, and the one that I think had the best offer was Boston University. So I moved back. I accepted. I was enrolled. I had taken out my loans, and I was going through it, man. I didn't know. I was like, this is right for me. I'm. I'm not sure this is the right move, man. And like people would ask me, like it was very obvious in retrospect that I shouldn't have gone. Because people would ask me like very basic questions. <laughs> They'd be like, what kind of law do you want to do? I'd be like, uh, uh, there's different kinds. Like, shit. Like, it was so clear I hadn't thought about it. Like, you know, right. be like, like are you, what are your interns? Blah, blah, blah. Like, the, the final straw was like, they called me. They had the, the welcoming, like the admissions they called uh, two weeks before classes were going to start. They're like, we're doing a welcoming reception for the incoming students. And I was like, sick. Like, that sounds cool. That's a nice thing to organize. Thank you. Like, they're great. Yeah, the um, dress code is uh, business formal. And I was like, wait, I got to have a suit? And you could hear the pause on the other end of the phone. They're I like, know, they're, they're, like, they're like, you're about to go to law. You're going to need several suits, exactly. actually. <laughs> you're going to need one because one, almost every day for the rest of your life, right. you're going to need a suit. And I was like, I got to go buy a suit. This is a guy, I have like six figure loans I've just taken out for the school. Dude. And I'm stressing about, I got to go buy a suit, whatever like that. Yeah. And I think my, I was just like, wow, I'm completely unprepared for this. So I, I withdrew the next day. I withdrew. No yeah, way. I bought my ticket to Kaohsiung and I, I crash landed back in Kaohsiung uh, and I was living with a couple of some friends that I had before and I, I was looking for an English teaching job. First I did a, a scooter trip around the island. Oh, dope. And then I had a buddy who was surfing with a guy and that guy, uh, his surf buddy was like, I'm starting a stand-up comedy open mic. Do you want to try to do a set? And I went and I, that's the first time I did stand-up was about a month after I landed back in Kaohsiung. No so, yeah. way. Yeah, that's how, that's how so I started. So that's where comedy started. That's where it started, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I, I didn't want to buy a suit. <laughs> to go to law school i was outraged hey, that suit. is outrageous a suit are you serious They're like you can just hear her voice just be like there, yeah, yeah the lawyer on the other side yeah, just yeah. so you have no problem with the the tuition and right. the, you know the you know you have to take loan like you, a million dollar loan and yeah law school you have to take loans like for for your life you can't yeah. work while you're in law school right like exactly. so you have to take like living loans so like even when you get a nice little like scholarship for the tuition, you just have to take these other loans. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's so much money. Yeah, it's so much money. So like if you're if you're there if you're ready for it, it would have been good. So like I don't know what kind of lawyer I would have been. Like I would have yeah I would have yeah, been right. probably a broke <laughs> one <laughs> of those broke ones. lawyer. I yeah. might have ended up in Taiwan either way, just <laughs> running from loan payments. I might have been <laughs> might have been over here. Yeah. You'd be here on a different reason. I'd be here on a different name. <laughs> <And then> the <laughs> Huntington, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm, taking, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming my, my mom's pin name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, live in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. So oh. that was it. Yeah, I started doing comedy and then, uh, yeah, never no looked back. No way. Yeah. Okay. So when you got this kind of serendipitous call to do an open mic, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
where was it? What was the situation so like? It was, it was a good friend of mine, Rob Stocky. I uh, love you, Rob. He's in New York now because uh, mm. he's dude. It's one of the so many like little lucky like about stuff with comedy leading up to two three. There's so many look fortunate things along the way. So one of the first things was this guy starts a mic. He reaches out to me. He's like, I heard you're interested in comedy. I said, I'll go watch the first one. Right? And he's like, he's like, fuck you. Everyone says that. You gotta like just I'll tell people it's your first time. Just do it. Stop it. You know. This is what I try to tell people now all the time too. Want to oh. come watch. I get there the night of, I'm like, all right, man, like I'll try. And he's like, I'm like, what's the lineup? He's like, uh, it's me. I'm hosting. And then you, uh, and then me again, we're the only comics. So it's just two of us. <laughs> so I'm like, Phew. I'm like, all right, I got like five minutes. He's like, you don't, you probably have two minutes, but okay, go oh, ahead, shit. go ahead. And, um, he was right. I had two minutes and yeah, he's threw me up there. It was at a bar called black dog in Galshan, which sadly is closed, man. Ooh, it, was, it had this sad. little stage. It was a sweet little spot. It had a variety of owners over the years. I think Andrew was running it at the time I was there, mm. uh, black dog. And, um, and we started doing, uh, every two weeks we'd do an open mic there. But again, super lucky to have met Rob because Rob was like, I was just happy. I was doing something and I was like expressing myself creatively and I was just happy. And Rob was like, this isn't enough. Like, you know, like, I mean, you were talking earlier, some of your experience, like New York comedy, right? Mm. We're not getting up enough. He's like, we're going to do a hundred shows this year. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to do that. He's like, well, I have a van. He's a surfer. And so what we did, we switched it. We started doing a weekly open mic at a different bar, a bar called Victory Inn up in, uh, up in Kaohsiung. Mm. And then every weekend we would write or we would contact bars around Taiwan and asked if we could come and do a comedy show. I had a different friend, a buddy named Tommy, who had a wood shop, and he built us a stage. And we would throw the stage in the back of the van, and every weekend oh. we would drive to a different bar. We'd unload the van. Unload Rob got the lights. Stage. Yeah, Rob was on a soccer team in Kaohsiung, and he would take the lights they'd use for the nighttime field, and no. he would bring, and we'd set up lights in these bars and things like that, and we'd do Tainan, Jai, Taichung, Dolio, Zhongli, Sinju, Jubei, Taidong, Dulan, just anywhere that would take Changhua, Hualien, anywhere that would take us, man. Anywhere that would take us. No way. And we do a show every weekend. Yeah. That's insane. So we hit 100. That's the way, only way to do it. You got to do two a week if you're going to hit 100, right? So, right. Yeah. So we did it. And we hit 100 early. Yeah. Because we, 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 we doubled up on a few weeks. So yeah. We, uh, we hit, we hit 100 in the year, man. That was like, that was my life for a year. It was like every weekend just hopping in the van with Rob. And dude, he was the best because again, I was just like having fun. So I'd go and do a show and I'd want to hang out after at the bar. I'd be like, people are going to tell us we were funny. This is my favorite part. We got to hang out at the bar. Mm -hmm. And exactly. Rob's like, we, we, no, we're going. We're back. He's just, he was just all about the comedy. He didn't care about anything else around it. Really? Yeah, yeah. He, was, he just he, wanted to get on the stage and perform. And he knew after a year that he wanted to go to New York and try to make it, like, make it as a comic. And I knew at the same time that I wasn't ready. Mm. So I, um, uh, when he left, that's when I left Kaohsiung. Because I said, uh, at least I'm never going to live somewhere where I can do less comedy. Mm. And once he left Kaohsiung, that was going to become a place I could do less comedy because he was so important for keeping it going. Yeah. But in Taipei, there were people doing it as well. So that's when I moved up to Taipei after wow. he left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was. Hold the, on. So this kind of van yeah. trip around Taiwan and you guys were doing comedy in English. English. Yeah. 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 At these random bars. Random bars. Yeah. Whoever we just like it, that was like, you know, kind of like peak Facebook time for like events and stuff. Ooh, okay. So we would hit up like, you know, or he would ask his buddies who played soccer like, hey, what's the foreigner bar in Taichung? Mm. What's the spot in Taichung? What's the spot in here? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, where, where can we go? You know, oh, there's a hash this weekend in Dolio. Is there a bar in Dolio? Dolio. Yeah, we where can do a show. Is Dolio? Done like three or four shows, man. Dolio is the capital of, uh, what one is it? Not Changhua. Yunlin? I think it's the capital oh, really? of Yunlin. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 
And uh, there's Roxy. Shout out to Glenn, the guy from South Africa who runs a great bar in Dolio, man. Oh, really? He's the man. Glenn's awesome, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Glenn. Yeah, he's this uh, this uh, this older South African dude. It's like an old South African. He's an army bro. Like, yeah, he's no like, way. He's the man. He's built like a tank. Yeah, he's got a oh, good bar, man. That's dope. Nice burger and and uh, and cheap draft beers and Roxy's in, in Dolio. Okay, good, everyone, yeah. hit it up. Yeah, hit it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so anywhere they would take us, man. Anywhere they would take us that we thought that they could bring people out and, and get people and then we would go and do the show because the only way we could run the same material you know because yeah, in Gaucho people that. see you mm -hmm. and there's just not that many foreigners they're not cycling the audience so uh, we're just trying to get better and run stuff yeah right 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 yeah. were you guys actually charging covers or were you depends on mm. uh, I mean so in, in, in time normally it was just like open mic yeah, okay yeah, just do an open mic wow yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, of course yeah yeah it should be like that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow 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 but how was the reception at the time what year was this man when was this man this was i don't know i've been here this was my third or fourth year here so what was it like 2016 something like that okay. 2015 16 yeah i'd have to check it out more specifically but yeah yeah it was um the reception was different like it depended like you know we'd have great shows we'd have terrible shows you know mm. we'd have bars that were accommodating we'd have bars that weren't accommodating you know we had audiences that wanted to see a show and audiences that didn't give a fuck we were there you know right, and it was right. just it was everything in between and this is you learn to deal with all that different stuff you know by f fucking it up a, a lot and getting right. it wrong a ton yeah what percent was fucked up and what percent was success in retrospect <laughs> a lot of it was fucked up but at the time it felt great you know because right. you just have different standards for what you think is good when you're starting yeah, you know that. you get a couple laughs you're like i'm smack I'm damn i'm good murdering yeah these people love me you know I meanwhile know. it's just like there's like one loud guy laughing you know everyone else is like that's fine yeah <laughs> You know, you know, so your standards are just messed up, right? There were a few truly bad ones. Uh, you know, the real bad ones stand out. And then... Uh, Tell us about them. Okay, the worst one <laughs> was a bar in Taichung we did twice. I won't say the name of it because I don't remember. And um, the first time we get there and they're like, we have no microphone. Uh, oh, and it turned out to be this kind of cool night because the crowd who was there knew we didn't have a microphone. So they all got quiet and they came close. And we had this show where we were just doing like acapella comedy kind of like that. And it worked. It was nice. So we're like, we'll do this again. We'll come back. But mm. if you can get a microphone, that'd be great. <laughs> He's like, no problem. Got you. We come back, no microphone. And this time the bar is not, it's not a culture of listening in the, in the audience. This night. There was three <laughs> different people who like on their own would have destroyed the show. It was like terms of like heckling or just not paying attention right, and being right, loud. Right. And we have no mic, you know. And when you're a comic, you rely so much on the microphone to shut down people talking. Because mm, when all else fails, you are louder, you yeah. know. And this time you're literally just screaming at a drunk guy. In a bar. There's no different, you know. Like <sighs> there's a stage, I guess. But right. So at one point, I'm on stage, and we have video of this. I don't know where that video is, but imagine you can picture I'm on stage, and behind me there's a big glass window, which is the front of the bar. And Rob, my friend, is outside on the patio of the bar where there's a, one of the guys who's heckling is smoking, and you can see through the panel rob get in this guy's face and start like pointing down the alley like let's go let's fucking let's, go let's, let's go down the alley up. i'm gonna fuck you up i'm gonna fight you <laughs> meanwhile i'm on stage like melting down yelling at a heckler in the front row being oh. like and i have this moment where the crowd's like on my side for a second so i'm like dude you're fucking ruining the show like shut the fuck up and the crowd's like yeah 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 and i just go too far i'm like i hope you fucking die you suck you piece of shit blah, blah. and the crowd's like no boo oh, like this <laughs> too much too much yeah it's like ah oh, fuck it so you just see me like just losing it on stage and then through the window you can see rob literally trying to fight a guy <laughs> off, off stage dude. so it's just like yeah it's just like that's a perfect skit yo yeah complete meltdown from <laughs> start to finish yeah yeah this is absolutely wild yeah yeah so yeah crazy that's an amazing scene though yeah it's like it was a, it was a great snapshot of us not doing well 
<laughs> mentally or <laughs> as in terms of a show. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. like a Louis C.K. skit. It's like, yeah, like really, that's perfect. I mean, and th that's a quiet van ride back. I'll tell you that. That's a quiet van ride back after the show. You know, oh. four hours back to Gaoshan. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're good nights too, man. They're good nights, you know. Night we show up in Jai and like we used to do the shows at this place called Chase's Sandwich Shop. And they get like 30, 35 people would come out like in Jai for these shows in this tiny little sandwich shop. Hmm. And the tiny little room would be super, super loud and you'd have these great sets, whatever like that. And I feel it felt awesome, you know. Wow. So you'd have good ones, yeah. But um, yeah, there were some rough ones too. And you never knew when you got in the van. Jeez. What's it gonna be like? <laughs> How's it gonna go this weekend? Yeah. Wow. What year was it when you made that transition from the south to the north? So I moved to Taipei. Uh, must have been five, years, five or six years ago now. So what? Seven, twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? Yeah. Mm. I'm around there. So I moved to Taipei. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was that like when you finally came up to the capital city? Yeah, it was cool. So I had been coming up and doing shows up here for a bit. Like uh, they had a group that was running shows mm. kind of semi-infrequently. And my move always at the time was, because I was cheap, was come up, do the show and stay out all night and party with the, with the comics. And then take the bus back late night. That Hushin mm. bus, you know, the, you know about the Hushin bus? No. Oh, so comfy, man. Really? You get like a, it's like a it's like a business class airplane seat, but it's on a bus. Oh damn! <laughs> it's still a bus. <laughs> or the Aloha. Aloha has got these big green like barca loungers, man. Yeah, it's oh, nice. Damn. Aloha is, is nice. You got the DL on the on yeah, the yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a somewhat of a bus connoisseur, man. It yeah, sounds like it. Yun. Yeah, I know my Kuyun. Yeah. Okay. So um. Yeah, you get the, uh, and then I'd, I'd, you know, set 3 a.m. bus would land you back in Kaohsiung around 9 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. No. Rosy, yeah, ready to go. But uh, yeah, so I'd come up. And, um, and so the way they were doing it, they had this umbrella organization called ROC at the time, Republic of Comedy. Uh, and there's some good comics in that group, but their organization was very much, it just the, the way it kind of naturally arose, it was people doing it as a hobby, right? Where you like, I have a bar that wants to do a show. Like, okay, cool. You call it ROC, blah, blah, blah. It's under the umbrella. And then the result was there's different shows every month at different venues run by different people. And some of them were run really, really well. There's a girl named Amy Yu um, who ran really, really good shows. And there's some other people who ran shows that like, you know, weren't that good. Just like, you know, hosts would show up late and stuff like that, you know. So it was just like this various, this varied quality under the umbrella. Hit or miss. Hit or miss. And there was no one place where people would know like, I'll go here for comedy, whatever. So I wanted to change that. So I had this lead on a, on a room a basement room at a bar called 23 Public. They had a basement. I didn't know the owners of 23 Beer at the time, but I had done a show at a hostel near Taipei Main Station. Mm. And the bar manager for the hostel was hired to become the new bar manager for this bar. Ooh. So he brought us over, me and a Taiwanese comic named Brian Sung. Brian uh, Sung, a went legendary over there man. To check out the room. And uh, there was a soft opening party with the manager's friends. And we went downstairs and they had some mics and we tried. And both him and I did like a 10 minute set to like 20 people. And that was the first show ever at 23. No um, way. And I was like, this room is, this is the room. Can you give us a Monday night? It's got to be your slowest night, right? Give us right, a Monday. Right. And he was like, yeah. And then once a month, give us a weekend. Give us a Saturday down here. Because they were trying, the owners of, tw of 23, Brett and Matt, were trying to make it like a DJ, like music thing. Okay. They love They love vinyl. I see. Brett especially loves vinyl. They were trying to do this. And like, then all of a sudden, like, I remember I, the night I met them, it was one of the comedy nights. Brett and Matt were there. And there's like, you know, like 40 people showing up to go into their basement for a comedy show. They're like, what the fuck? Did we open a comedy club? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> They're like, they, because they know, because I had never talked to these guys who are the owners. I'd only talked to the manager. Oh. So all of a sudden they start noticing like, our Mondays are doing better. This is weird. Like, how is our Mondays killing it right now? You know, because we'd pack these mics out. No way. And then these, these nights were popping. And so, yeah, it became a thing. And then we started a Thursday night Chinese language mic as well. 
And the main thing was, is every Monday is an open mic. You can mm. go every Monday and know that you're going to see comedy there. Every Thursday, you're going to see Chinese comedy there. Mm. And Brian started hosting those Thursday mics. And this was before he was, he became on, before born. he blew up. Yeah. And then along that, during that time, he blew up um, <sighs> and got the night night show. Oof, um, yeah. And uh, the owners of 23 approached me about potentially looking to open a new venue after about two years of doing shows. Because we were doing so well on some of the Saturdays, we do early late shows. We do a 7 p.m. and a 9 p.m. show, you know. Mm. It was a tiny, tiny room. So um, How many seats? <laughs> I mean, like. Like two. There's like, there, there was like, you could get 25 chairs in there and we'd put like 50 people in the room. It was, it was, oh, it was insane. I bought a bunch of those stools, the night market stools. I bought them at the Shao Bay and uh, we'd put the front row. So you'd be doing the front row with somebody literally like just some little plastic seats, just right in front of you, plastic seats. That's just dope. Cramped up, man. It was fun. I, I love that room. Now they, um, the landlord kicked them out. Now it's a laundromat. Um, oh. Yeah. Progress. Uh, and, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so um, that's when we got started with discussions about opening up a real brick and mortar comedy club. Mm. And then I talked to Brian and he was willing to jump on board. And then we we're like, okay, now we have a better idea of what kind of scale because mm. with Brian on board, we're going to have a lot more interest and a lot more opportunities. Um, so again, super lucky. Randomly, I know a guy who's a manager at this bar, 23, the beer company, their models, they, they look to expand. And when they expand, they do different kind of things. They don't just open pub, pub, pub. They have their music room now. It's in Maji Square, 23 Music Room. Okay. Where DJs spend vinyl all the time. So Brett got his vinyl spot. He got it. Yeah. Uh, they have a new 23 Public on um, on Fuxing Nanlu that has a vinyl section as well. So And they have another one, a restaurant in Shimon. So they open different things. They don't just open beer, beer, beer. Mm. So, I was so I was so lucky to know them. They're looking to expand. They're like, why not comedy? Well, I'm like, well... I'm good friends with and have done comedy for a long time with a guy who, oh, by the way, just happens to be the most famous comic in Taiwan. Yep, you exactly. Know? And so he might be interested in coming on board, you know, and I'm just in this middle of this Venn diagram, you know, like that, super lucky, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, so I really, you know, from meeting Rob and a few other things that happened along the way for me, like super, super lucky. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're being humble. I mean, you put in that work. You put in yeah, that legwork, right? Yeah. I mean, like but you see a lot of people who work in that situation. and you don't get those chances, right? And True. like those things, like I always say this, like yeah, I put in the work, but I've been rewarded, like, you know, compared to other things in my life. You know, I work mm. hard at other stuff too, but this right. one, you know, <laughs> two years in of, to Taipei and I'm opening my own comedy club, you know, it's crazy. So yeah, 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 super lucky. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. So yeah, try to keep that perspective and yeah, keep working. Okay, yeah. so this man, Brian Tung, that you are mentioning, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bo An. Bo An. Yeah, very. Shut up, Bo An. He's not listening, but. <laughs> he's not listening. He's, he's too been, famous. He's, he's on a, a private jet somewhere. No, he's, he's got a baby, dude. He's, he's, <laughs> oh, he's daddy duty he's right daddy now. Daddy duty. Yeah. He's daddy duty. We should just roast him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rip him apart, dude. I will say this about Brian. Uh, Brian's an awesome dude, man. Hilarious. His wife is funnier than him, though. Shout out to <laughs> Mamie. His wife, that's not, a, that's not a dig at Brian, by the way. His wife is funnier than any comic I've, I've met. Really? She's so mean. She's What's so her name? Mean. Mamie. Mamie. Yeah, yeah. Every time, every time I go over there, like, the first thing, she's like, Sam, you got fat. Like, God damn, it just starts right away. <laughs> and from there, it never gets better. Yeah, yeah. Just starts yeah. roasting you yeah. immediately. She's immediately picking me apart. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, so shout oh. out to Mamie. She will also not listen because she's not interested in anything to do with Brian or comedy or anything like that. <laughs> That's yeah. a good wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That'll keep she, them together. She's holding it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. So, can you tell a little bit of that story? How did you meet Brian? Yep, that was when I was living in Kaohsiung. Um, I was coming up doing those shows, as I mentioned. And I met him. They were doing shows at this Greek restaurant called Yamas, which is a, a nice restaurant. And they were nice enough to host us upstairs in their, in their spot. And uh, I met him. He had just come back from France. He had done his master's mm, degree there. Yeah, and, la la. Uh, yeah. And He's so, fancy. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, and he was just like this young Taiwanese kid who was doing English jokes, and he was good, 
but he was just getting started and he had some good bits. And then as we continued, as I moved up here, he kept doing open mics and kept showing up. And he pretty quickly was like the best English language comic we had. And then he started doing Chinese and, you know, like I didn't follow how it was going, but then there was one video in particular that blew up and then overnight he became like, boom. And he just kind of skyrocketed like really, really, really quickly. And yeah. he was so smart about like the way he, um, he handled it, right? Like he followed up on those initial early successes in a really, really smart way mm. and uh, became the kind of like, uh, you know, figure that he is now. And like, yeah. Right. Yeah. So kinda... I really admire the way he like, not only that he like kind of kept himself like grounded and, um, didn't let it go to his head like with the way he conducts himself personally mm. but also the way he was like really really smart about like his opportunity talking about not wasting opportunities right yeah. just scaffolding and yeah yeah leveraging up, all yeah. those things now he's coming back his tour he's touring around asia right now he's coming back and he's gonna headline taipei arena i heard about that that's stand-up coming... comedy in taipei arena man yeah dude that's insane it's crazy man that's legendary that's absolutely nuts dude yeah, yeah. unprecedented I mean, we're talking about five or six years ago we were at a bar basement right yo and then yeah. he's got one video he's wearing like cargo shorts in the video you know <laughs> talking about like tea shops and now he's headlining Taipei dressing like a k-pop star fucking headlining Taipei arena yo yeah. be fireworks or what it better be fireworks there better be fireworks i'll bring some fireworks exactly yeah, yeah yeah dancers on the stage or what like is this I'm sure is he going dancer. all out or what he loves that shit he loves all the music <laughs> stuff you've got dancers yeah yeah if i have a bunch of they like a bunch of guys dressing like girls. they love that they all go back to like that monty python shit they love there's nothing funny than guys dressing like ladies it's so funny <laughs> oh he brian's I've been in the dress like, yeah like five or six of his videos yeah he's, always he's not very beautiful though Sorry, Brian. I, don't know, I disagree on that. He's a pretty, oh, he's a pretty shit, boy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Brian's pretty, I'll, I'll defend you on that one, Brian. You're, you're a beautiful man. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Wow. When is that? Uh, I don't know when the date of that one okay. is. Ball Breaker Tour is out now. I think he's headlining. I think he's in KL right now, Kuala Lumpur. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. and he's doing a little oh. U.S. tour as well. Yeah, yeah. So he's going all over the place. His tour is called the Ball Breaker Tour. And yeah, the finale will be at the Taipei Arena. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be dope. That's yeah. going to be legendary. Yeah, super sick. Has that ever happened here in Taiwan? Comedian? No, yeah. never, never, never. Right? Never, never, never. I was talking to one of the, uh, from the OGs of the comedy uh, scene, a guy named, uh, I don't know, forgive me for not knowing his uh, Chinese name, but I think it was Dennis Nye, mm, okay. uh, who did stand up. Because, you know, like, you probably are more familiar with the background of Chinese language comedy, which is the crosstalk, mm, or Shangsheng, yeah. right? Yeah, Am I yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. right? Shangsheng. Uh, so Dennis would go along on these Shangsheng tours and he would do a solo, which is basically, you know, the first oh. guy like kind of doing like theater show level stand up comedy. Hmm. Uh, as far as I know about the history of stand up in Taiwan. Okay. Because it's Shangsheng. And then the other main figure that I would point to is a guy named Socio uh, Chang, Social, okay. who's the owner of the uh, comedy base and now one of the owners of Comedy Plus, which is another comedy club on Fuxing Beilu. Okay, yeah. Um, in which they do only Chinese language comedy, but he was kind of the incubator who started a lot of these guys, including Brian. Uh, yeah, right. With those Brian. groups. Yeah, yeah. He started with these groups and uh, and he still runs shows and he used to own a place called the Taipei Comedy Club. So he's one of the oldest OGs of comedy in Taiwan and he's like, he's the best dude. He's an awesome dude. Huh. He's like a comedy Mother Teresa, man. He like just puts guys together and does stuff, but he comes from the, you know, Taiwan background. So one of the things that 2-3 first did differently was, you know, like things like time limits on open mic sets and stuff like that. That made it a little bit more, for lack of a better word, like kind of Western style, whatever mm. like that. Even though I think, to be honest, like that might have been less out of like a style preference, more out of just like comedy wasn't as big then. Yeah. Pre-Brian blowing up. Exactly. Because yeah. I went and did a few open mics at his old place. And I remember like, you know, yeah, you'd get like, 
you get a lot of guys going up and like telling stories, you know, mm. like in Chinese, right? It's a story that has a funny ending, but it's not last permanent, like joke, joke, joke. Oh, okay. It's a different approach, right? Is it kind of observational humor? Not you wouldn't might even just be able like, to call this it is that. Like just a funny storytelling. Thing. Well, also my Chinese isn't super good, so I'd be like, okay. All I know is the guy's talking for a long time. There's no and laughs. At the end, you're and at like, the end, it's like, oh, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. So how much have you seen the comedy scene changing? Oh my God. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were literally in bar basements for like nobody and stuff like that. Now we got, you know, Ron Jossel flying over like well, work visa is headlining the club. We've got international comics popping in when they come through. We have two full-time comedy clubs mm -hmm. in Taipei. There's a comedy club in Sinju, in Taichung, in Kaohsiung. Oh, really? Um, the wait list for Chinese language open mics, you have to sign up online in advance. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's completely, I mean, there's, there are several celebrities in Taiwan solely from stand-up. I guess not solely, Kylie, I would say, like, podcasting as well, right? But, like, yeah, you know, like, right. there's people who are known as comedians first and foremost right mm -hmm. and doing it in that way they're not using that as one thing and then getting on to variety shows and stuff like that you mm, know yeah. they are they're doing tours and selling you know like doing college tours and stuff like that and now brian's doing international tours kylie headlined in japan oh. you know yeah like their taiwanese comedy is like spreading out so, right yeah. yeah it's night and day yeah it's amazing what about in particular English language comedy? What yeah. do you think about the scene here in Taiwan? I mean, it's always going to be like I've always said the the energy I find is always in the Chinese language scene because that's mm. the most potential. The English language scene I think is really is good. Like, and we have opportunity and room for growth and cool things we can do because our trajectory is so heavily influenced by COVID and what happened during those three oh, years, man. right? Yeah. So like three years, we have no new people coming in, so it's just the same group, whatever. And now we post COVID, we have opportunity to grow and expand and, and to bring in international comics and become. I mean, we opened our club December 2019. <laughs> oh, dude! Right yeah. before. Right before we're like congratulations. Somebody's coughing in Wuhan, man. Will you hear about this? It's crazy. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's right. get our first international comic booked for January. It's like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Good yeah, plan. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what we've operated under for the last three years. So English is like trying to rebuild from that. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, it's a couple levels, right? Because, you know, this year has seen Jim Jeffries, Russell Peters come to Taiwan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some big international acts performing in theaters here. So that's been one area of the growth and where, where it can grow. And then the other side is like, you know, our local scene developing and local comics like Jamie Wong, who you talked to. Yeah. Hilarious girl Jamie from Shanghai. Is she will be killer. here soon, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Hilarious girl. She's absolutely killer. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so that's uh, that's where the excitement is for me is seeing those new comics and giving them opportunities to get up in front of some of the international comics who are visiting. And yeah. Come yeah, through. yeah. Do their thing. Exactly. Yeah. Show them what they can do. Yeah. yeah. Dude, how scary was COVID? I mean, opening up a, a new venture, yeah. it's not an easy thing anywhere, especially in Taiwan, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then this, this cough yeah, permeates. Thing, well, then there was that weird, like, that kind of like multiple stages of it where it's like Taiwan's still open. So the club was still open, you know? Mm. And actually the tougher time for us was later in COVID when Taiwan didn't do the lockdown. Because during the lockdown, everything was closed. So it's kind of like that was the expectation setting. We knew we had to close. But then the second time when COVID actually broke out and the numbers were going up, nothing closed, right? Mm. Uh, it was just the numbers went up and then people just kind of voluntarily stopped going out. But we were still open. So that was tougher. Um, oh, uh, but the whole thing, you know, it's just, yes, yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, like, I mean, but again, like, I said this during it and like continue like, you know, a lot of people had it a lot worse than we did. We were never really in danger of like closing or going mm. away. We never really had that kind of talk, you know? Nice. It was like, if this continues for blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Maybe. But like, we never really went there. 
a lot of other businesses weren't as fortunate. A lot of other people had significant impact outside of like financial stuff, you know, whether, you know, losing friends and family and things like that. So uh, I never really complained about it. You know, like it was a global situation that like sucked for us in a way that probably sucked for us more than it sucked for some people, but a lot less than it sucked for some people. Right. True that. So wherever yeah. we are on the spectrum, we're, we're lucky and we're, we're still open. So we're good. Yeah. hundred yeah, yeah, percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys are killing it. Yeah. And yeah, I think only, brighter kind of shores coming up too. that's the way to do it yeah 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 exactly Jail, yeah very Onwards excited about that yeah, yeah yeah very excited for this ron jostle show yeah yeah april 15th april 15th. 8 p.m yeah get yeah. your tickets now yeah man reserve <laughs> your seat come on in man yeah 500 and t come on i know seriously come on come on, come on. yeah this yeah. is a bargain yeah, yeah. yeah so what about the rest of the asian scene we yeah, talked man. about thailand so yeah yeah what about thailand do you know thailand's about- wild man thailand's wild so thailand is like the place that like i've always thought like you know should be the biggest english language scene they got what 17 million tourists a year like english speaking exactly tour. it's crazy but um it's also like you know such a wild city too there's so much to do there. you're competing against a lot more stuff there's a club there comedy club bangkok which is a good spot they have mm. a good good room uh, and they bring in over a lot of folks. But then there's a lot of other like rooms where comics will start different rooms. They have an open mic on Wednesday, Raw Wednesday, uh, which is a good open mic. People start different rooms and there's a lot of like, seems like a lot of feuding and infighting with different like comic groups there and stuff oh, like that. Oh, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, they get it's at like each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, Thailand like, Mafia. Yeah, they're going at each other, man. Like, and so like, which is wild, you know, it's just like. Um, I think that's, that's how Thailand common. works. I think that's pretty common in comedy too. It's the way comedy works too, you know. Ooh. You know, like you know, you don't get enough stage time at this guy's club. Well, fuck that guy. I'll start my right, own right. show. Blah blah. Right, you right, know, right, yeah. Right, right, right. And the barrier to entry for starting shows, especially if you don't like, I don't want to say not, not know what you're doing, but you don't understand that like, like if a bar approach, like a lot of people, if a bar approaches you and be like, hey man, would you be interested in doing an open mic here on Tuesday? People feel flattered by that, right? Right. Really, what they're asking you to do is to bring people into their business. Sure. You know? It's like of you course. should be getting something for that if you're delivering right if mm. you, yeah so a lot of people you know like you know like yeah they're gonna give us a you know a free drink if we do a thing like it's like okay yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> right. um you know like so but yeah thailand is, is very cool I had the opportunity to perform there a couple times oh really um yeah yeah do some shows there uh it's very cool most recently just did an open mic spot very nice they have some really good comics there for sure but it just feels like a place that should be like apex you know exactly like top of the mountain yeah wow when were you there last uh, I was there uh, this last summer, okay. uh, but I just did an open mic. I was swinging through on my way back home. I went to visit a friend over there. Actually, shout out Meg. Meg Anderson's the girl who I started 2-3 Comedy with when it was just the Facebook page in our, our group. Oh, Meg is really? over and she's over in Bangkok now. Yeah, yeah. She's doing comedy and no, she's no. got a uh, she's got a kid now. She does. Uh, she was really into improv. She led improv groups. She does voice acting and she's got a business career as well. Mm. Uh, so she keeps herself super super busy. But uh, she has not. I don't think she's been on stage in a while, which is too bad. She's an excellent improviser. Uh, super super good and run great workshops. But um, yeah, Bangkok is a, is a is a cool city. The the, the the mic that did was very very fun. Um, shows that done they were very very fun before. But yeah, to me the apex of English comedy in Asia was. For a long time was um uh shanghai uh, yeah so that's yeah. where we talked about her jamie wong she yeah, is from, chinese yeah. and she is from shanghai so what about the yeah. comedy scene in shanghai so man I, I can't speak to it recently because i was last there 2017 and but they had a club i think that golden age was probably like 2014 16 17 maybe this club called kung fu comedy mm. um and they were bringing over monthly like new york stand-ups like mark norman kurt Metzger, will slyvance these guys coming over killers Every Mike Vecchione, like every month, these guys Damn. coming over and just um, 
and slaying. The slaying. And, and in Shanghai, like, I mean, this is a city, the population the size of Taiwan, exactly. you know? It's yep. wild. So, it's a um, huge city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge spot. So, super international, too. Yeah, super international. And uh, so that was, uh, and they had, a, I went over, I was lucky enough to headline at that club. 2017 and the host and the three people who opened for me these would all be like some of the top comics in taiwan if they were here right the, the three people they had opening for me were all so good Ooh. i was like damn this is a real like you know so their open mic scene was just intense it's different level it was just good yeah it's just good and so there was, it was really really sick and then i think post 2018 you know china kind of changed some of their policies right and then oh really uh, Did they? even even pre-covid yeah they really <laughs> they had experience with like this oh yeah 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 sorry you know um so the club i think Sad, though. shut down uh, the, the guy who was running it went to hong kong and now he's working for live nation but they still have a scene there i was just talking to a guy named ian in shanghai who helps organize mics and things like that and there's there's clubs i mean it's too big for there not to be a scene yeah so i'm sure like even the scene even if it's not what it was and, and, and again i can't speak to it i haven't been there uh, even if it's not what it was i'm sure it's still huge like relatively you mm. know and the chinese language scene there is crazy now right mm. so they have huge like they have comics who are like really experienced doing chinese stand-up for years you know right where some of the people here might have only started in the last two or three years yeah do you want if i do a bathroom break yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah of yeah. course all right we'll, we'll take the mic in there so you guys can hear what's Perfect. going on <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> yep all right <laughs> yep how are they doing out there okay. yeah Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. The man is back. Hell yeah. Thank he you could not that. handle his black coffee. Excuse me. Yeah, thank you for that. Couldn't handle the challenge. That's right. Yeah, I was holding Going Joe Rogan style. Nice, yeah. No yeah. no pee breaks. No pee breaks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I need it, man. Yeah. Starting to talk about Shanghai. I was like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not thinking about Shanghai right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Shanghai. Yeah, man. Yeah, so that was the spot, man. Yeah, so, and the guy, Andy Curtin, was the one who was running Kung Fu at the time. And he was, like, a big inspiration for me for, like, how to run a club or how to, mm. like, try to, like, um, yeah, do stuff, basically. Yeah, so. How many seats was Kung Fu? Man, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I think around, I think around 100, though. I don't think it was much more than 100. So, yeah, yeah. what about 2-3? Two, 2-3 three? Two, two, three can do 150. 150? We can do really? 150. If we get those tables out of there, you saw it. Like, right, 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 right. So, we set up with, with the tables. It's probably, like, 120. But we have the curtain, too. We can close it. For example, last night is a smaller crowd mm. so we closed the curtain so you have 20 30 people in there it still feels all right, all right. so right, yeah. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right right that was one thing also i learned from kung fu was having the variable room they had uh, two different curtains where you could shut it to make it like a really tight you know, oh, or open smart. up the space yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah so the one room can feel like big show or something like that right. but that's always a cool thing like when i got to headline kung fu is you see the room filling up and you're like okay how many curtains are they going to open right you know right like, right, right. both yeah. curtains are closed that's horrible because that's yeah, like that's... 20 people they open the first curtain you're like good 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 when right. they open the second curtain you're like nice i'm nice, doing nice i did it let's did go it. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah oh shit yeah, yeah, yeah. so speaking of that yeah. what was the first time you headlined a show like your own proper kind of big uh, one okay the first one um i mean yeah that's tough so headlining is it means different things in different mm. places right so like in taiwan where we have a smaller scene where people are uh, not able to repeat material as much because you might be going up on front of people who come more frequently something like when i was coming up from gaoshang to taipei i would headline the show is here sometimes. Sometimes it literally meant you just went last. You still did an eight-minute spot, but you were just last. Right. Sometimes you did a little bit longer. Maybe you did 15 or something like that. Then in 2016, I was accepted to the Hong Kong International Comedy Festival. That was the first time I'd done a set outside of Taiwan. Ooh. And the way they do it, they have uh, 30 comics, three nights of 10. And the top three get to the finals from each night. Hmm. And I was barely, I scraped through. I finished third in my night. 
Ooh. So I got to go to the finals the next time. And that was Ooh. the first time I'd done. There's 500 people at the finals. So it was the first time I'd done a room that big. Damn. And that was just eight minute sets though for the competition. And I didn't finish in the top three in the finals. Um, wow. But based off of that, Jamie Gong, the guy who ran the club in Hong Kong, takeout comedy, uh, brought me back over to do a thing they called the Asia Comedy Festival, where they take three of the people from the festival who'd done well, and you do like a, a triple feature, like 20 minutes each. So one night I opened and the next night I closed it. We did two nights back to back of uh, 20 minute sets and takeout comedy club. So that was the first time I had like my name or face on a poster. And then I headlined one time at at 23 in the old bar, Um, Mm. like did a proper like hour show um, there. And um, I really still, oh, I think the only time I headlined at 23 was my mom came over once and I did a headline for one of our shows at the club. Other than that, I haven't really done like a super long set at the club. I've actually never properly headlined our club. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've done a few shows. I call them Sam Yarbs and Friends where I put my face on it, but I'll do like 15 minutes at the end. Mm. But I put every comic on and give them five minutes. Okay. Uh, so that we can just have like a big, big night. And I don't charge a ticket for those shows. So it's not really like a proper headline. It's mm. more like a like come out, have a fun. I do that on my birthday and stuff like that. Okay. And then um, after Hong Kong, then I was able to travel and headline so i was lucky enough to do headline shows in shanghai singapore bangkok kuala lumpur indonesia and i think that's it oh yeah those ones yeah so out of those ones that kind of like southeast asia tour which one was the most memorable man that's tough to say um i mean shanghai because that club meant a lot for me Mm. um was great i mean hong kong was my first one so that always will mean a lot to me Singapore was really special because the room is called Comedy Masala. They do a Tuesday night show. Uh, for a while, it was it was kind of considered like one of the, and maybe it still is, like, you know, the gold standard. It was, it was listed in a magazine once as one of the best rooms in the world for comedy. This room and the, and the guy who runs that show, Umar Rana, was like always really good to me coming up. And so headlining there uh, for the first time was really, really cool. But also in Kuala Lumpur, the room there, uh, it's called Crack House. Unfortunately, now it's closed. Uh, they had some controversy in, in Malaysia. And they had Too to close crack. that one down. No, it's hilarious that the first time they got away with that for so long. Um, no, yeah, that, that, so um, yeah, so that one, yeah, and that was the first time I was able to do a weekend, do a Friday and a Saturday. Oh, uh, nice. so super, super fun. Yeah, yeah, so those those ones always stand out. Yeah. Wow. So you did a one hour show in front of your mom. Uh, probably yeah, probably like half an hour, forty five, something like okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my mom. Yeah, yeah, she got on stage at one point. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no yeah, way. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the first time she's seen you perform live or uh, live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time she'd seen. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So, what was that like? It was cool. It was. It was awesome. It was like yeah. It was. It was a packed house, and my mom was there. It was, it was great. Yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. That's so, awesome. It was super cool. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't have to change any jokes around because your mom's there. No, no, no. Or you no, went to, harder. To, to, I, yeah, fuck, no, fuck. Yeah, that, <laughs> did you yeah. roast your mom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who could, uh, no, no. I brought her. I tried. I just had to say this stupid. I had this idea for a bit. I brought her on stage, and you know, and, I, and everyone like gave her a big round of applause, whatever, like that. And I was like, it, like you know, my mom's an artist. Like she's a poet, and she's always supported me, like in my art and my craft. You know, got real serious about it, comedy for a minute. Like you know, my craft, my art, my passion for stand up. Right. So anyway, I was fucking this chick, right? And so it's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just trying to, you know, poke holes that people take comedy too seriously, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, awesome. yeah, yeah. no, but she loves that. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, your mom sounds amazing. Yeah, she's dope. Yeah. yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah. She was hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. But it, did get, it got a little late for her. That was the only problem was like the show was going late. And after the show, we were hanging out, having some drinks. I'm like, oh, shit. It's like one. I got to get my mom back right. to her hotel. Yeah. She's not hanging out to one a lot. You know, right, 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 right. So, yeah. We gotta yeah get her out yeah yeah oh yeah, man it's great yeah yeah 
What about East Asia? So like Japan, Korea. Yeah. Is there anything going on? Do you know about? Yeah, for sure. I don't know who's running the stuff in Korea now. I was actually just reaching out. There's a Polish comic swinging through. I'm trying to find some spots for him. Tokyo has a great stand-up club. It's a small room. It's called uh, Stand Up Tokyo, Tokyo Stand Up. And they do like, you know, mics all the time and shows and stuff like that. So Tokyo's good. And Korea definitely has mics. What's interesting, I think probably despite like being maybe more the de- on the developed scale of countries, the overall English fluency might be lower in Japan right. than in some of the other places, right? So, uh, but this, I mean, Tokyo's just too big to not have a club doing something in English. And yeah. uh, Korea, again, I don't know what the scene is there like now, but I know they had mics and stuff before. And they had, so I'm sure that Seoul has shows. Mm. I just don't know personally who's running those shows. I was actually trying to reach out this this week. Mm. Indonesia's got a cool, uh, Bali has a big comedy club uh, doing English comedy now. Uh, Jakarta's always has some stuff going on. Indonesia's got some good English scene. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And then still, yeah. But Singapore, uh, Malaysia hold it down for sure. Hong Kong's got a lot of mics, a lot of shows. And China, Mongolia, there's a club in Mongolia. Ulan Batar, yeah. Oh, really? UB Comedy, Ulan Batar, yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to get up there. I want to do a show up there one time. But yeah. That'd be awesome. He had a comedy festival. My, my roommate, he's a comic. He went up there, yeah. Did a festival there. Said it was dope, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got some good friends up there. We'll have to... Nice, yeah. Yeah. We'll tell to, them to, yeah, tell them to bust out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely send him your way for sure. Hell yeah. 100%. Yeah. He's nice. got some, he's a, he's a powerful man there too, so. Is he like, is my, it, is it, you're talking, he's like a con or whatever? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like, he, <laughs> he might be. I might not be able to tell you too much on the uh-huh, air. Hell Otherwise, yeah, I'll have to kill you, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but he's hell a powerful yeah, man. man there, so I'll hook you up if, you, right. hell yeah, if man. you end up going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, yeah. You'll have a good time for Excellent, sure. Excellent, man. Yeah, that sounds dope. Yeah, I'd love to get up there. That'd be dope. Yeah. So the comedy scene in Asia is cool. It's cool that there's like this little circuit, and you know, now that we're open, again we can be back on that circuit and a spot mm. for comics coming through to bop through and, and, and get up and uh expose our local scene to more international talent too just yeah. to see what they're doing like hey guys like what are we doing yeah exactly where do we where are we at where do we rank you know are there any like up and coming asian asia based comics that are just like killing it i think jamie wong's one you gotta look out for man she's only oh, doing a dude. year she's so good man jamie she's so good jamie um yeah and um yeah uh, she's so funny she's super super funny man and she's so, crazy she's one you gotta watch out for i think for sure <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think there's a very funny comic in singapore named sam c uh who's done the edinburgh friend she's down in melbourne now doing the melbourne festival right now okay um he's a good comic to watch out for jason leong is a comic in malaysia who had huh. a netflix special uh, in Malaysia, is a very, very funny guy. I'll shout out Annie Yang in uh, Indonesia. Uh, very, very funny, dirty comic hmm. down in Indonesia. She's doing a tour all around Indonesia right now. Uh, she's definitely one to watch out for. And um, in Shanghai, Nora Yang doesn't need me to shout her out. She's not up and coming. She's already made it. She's huge in, uh, in China hmm. uh, for Chinese language stand-up and does English stand-up too. Yeah, she, so she's, she's a huge one to watch out for. So other uh, up-and-coming acts. Yeah, I think the, you know, what I'm excited about, you know, with 2-3 is that because it's so the style of stand-up is so new for Chinese language here in Taiwan mm. that what you're going to see in the next few years is the people who are coming up now, who are getting good now, yeah, like who just started two or three years ago and like maybe need another year or two of seasoning. And then, you know, in two years, Taiwan's going to have a bunch of like five-year veterans, yep. you know, like the people who stuck with it, who started at the beginning and been going up and doing all these mics. Because if you're doing Chinese mics, you can get up like every night of the week now, you know, right. between there's two full-time comedy clubs there's cafes and rooms doing shows all the time. So if you're hustling, if you're doing it. So that's what's exciting is those young kids who are like, you know, making poor decisions now, right, <laughs> pouring all the exactly. time to stand up. And, you know, the great filter will take care of most of them. But then a few of them are going to pop and you're going to have this 
crazy um you know stand-up scene in the future that's what i believe that's what i mean when i talk about that's where the energy is you know oh, yeah man. yeah it's gonna be this chinese language you know boom that's gonna be amazing yeah yeah, yeah. And just they're percolating right now exactly yeah yeah dude that's a that's a sad thing about jamie right and well yeah, yeah i mean i'll talk with her next week yeah. but she's from china she's yeah. from the mainland so yeah, yeah. you know like even because you're mentioning you know like yeah. maybe two three four five years down the line yeah um but we were talking yesterday we had we had a little bit of a chat and you know that's a big thing on her mind you know it's like oh yeah what to do how long can i stay here where can i go like yeah. it's sad because she has so much talent and uh, well lucky she is i mean you know she's here she has such a great degree to fall back on i believe she's getting a master's in philosophy so yeah, from she should, uh, the she, top university here <laughs> I'm joking. she's screwed what the hell is she gonna do with the philosophy <laughs> exactly. degree she's screwed she better start writing new jokes i tell her that all the time <laughs> I'm like, you're not going to philosophize. Or I don't think that's exactly. philosophy yeah. even legal in China. Can you right. That's not illegal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a criminal punishment. Sounds dangerously close to free thinking. That's not allowed, man. Yeah. <laughs> True so that. she's, uh, yeah, no, she's screwed. I'm like, you better write some new jokes, girl. Okay, you know, exactly. <laughs> you keep, keep it going. Yeah. Yep. Because you're, yeah, your, your degree's a dead end. Yeah. Light a no. fire under butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's obviously a super smart girl. But like, and then she's great. I think she'll kill any opportunity she has in front of her. But yeah, because she's Chinese, it's tough to get those opportunities are, are trickier, right? Yeah, especially here. It's yeah, so man. sad. Yeah, it's yeah. Really sad. It's crazy. What a weird, like, you know, predicament to be in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, she's this hilarious comic. And she's, some jokes are criticizing China and stuff like that. I you know. know. Like, she's not shying away from it. So it's like, that's all on YouTube, girl. Like, you know, like, yeah. Like, so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to figure it out. So I'm trying to, you know, get her in front of every international comic that comes to visit. Mm. Get her those, you know, like, you know, like, whatever opportunities I can, whatever to put her forward. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that, like, it's like, I'm doing it, like, out of the kindness of my own heart. Also, she's so funny that putting her out there is the best thing for the club, too. 100%. Be like, yeah, that gives the best impression, right? So, yep. Yeah. Yep. What about New York? Have you yeah. had a chance to kind of visit the city a lot and like, I, check I out the comedy have, scene? I mean, I have, I, I, obviously, like, New York's, like, the best comedy city in the world, right? Yeah. And there is an offshoot of some of the Asia comedy there. Some of the guys who were the original founders of Kung Fu comedy moved to New York. And I believe there's a connection. I think they still have Kung Fu New York. There was a bar called The Lantern in Greenwich Village that did open mics mm. that was like connected to Kung Fu. And then a bunch of the guys who were in Shanghai went to New York and they're doing mics around the city and you see them doing shows in New York. And so I always felt that like if you had that kind of China connection, the Kung Fu connection, mm. you could get a leg up in New York. You could get started on shows rather than having to start at the worst mics or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I haven't personally explored it myself. I haven't right. been. When I go back, it's like, especially post-COVID was so like family focused, you know. Yeah. Mm. But um, no, no, I did an open mic years ago in Boston and just uh, absolutely ate shit and bombed. Um, uh, which was a fun experience to be like. That's always fun. Maybe things aren't so bad here in Taiwan. This is pretty, <laughs> this is pretty nice. Yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just different. You know, it's a totally different scene. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it has advantages and disadvantages. Like, you can't get up as much as you can in New York. Right. New York, you can get up all the time. But also, like, I talk to comics in LA. Like, it's crazy. Like, they have these shows. Like, where it's an open mic, you sign up, and then you like they like lock the door behind you, so you can't leave after your set. Because the only audience is other comics, right? They're, so mm. they basically like they do it in in shifts, where it's like you have to stay and watch all the other comics. Oh, I see. Because otherwise, we'll each have no audience. It's like right. this mutual like thing. Because like because people get this impression, I think, of like, oh, you're doing comedy in New York. You do you're hitting every club, whatever like that. It's like. Yeah, some people are, but right. a lot of people are doing shows at fucking laundromats and shit like yep, that, you know? Exactly. Like, a lot of people are gigging anywhere they can because there's so many comics. Yeah. When I did that open mic in Boston, there's 70 people and they were all comics. No, are you 70 serious? The host introduced people three at a time. 
No, yeah. don't lie. So you three you're three part time. of a trio. You get three minutes. No, so you go up, and then the next guy comes after you. Cause just because if the host is coming up seventy times, it's ridiculous. Right, right, right. Yeah. So they would do it three comics at a time, and you just had to. You got three minutes to do your your set. That's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, it's yeah. A factory. It was a Monday in Boston. Not even in Boston. It was out in Somerville. You know, no way. And this was just like, and this was like 2016 or something like that. You know, like, and I think it's just gotten more and more. You know, you see pictures of open mics in New York and stuff like that. Comics just lined up right to two spots. So I don't know how you do it. Obviously, you got to know people. You got to know where to start and things like that. That's why I never, you know, when Rob moved to New York, I was like, I'm not ready for that at all. Like, I want to live where there's more comedy. But I was into, I was really interested in building something. So. On the one hand, you have this thing where it's like, yeah, I don't go up as much as I do in New York. I don't have the same level of competition as you do in New York. There's not the same level of top tier talent as in New York. But you have this lower barrier to entry where you can get started in comedy here and you can get on shows very quickly and you can, can develop in your own way here. You know, mm. Is that the best way to make it if you're focused solely as an artist? Maybe not. But it's a way to... When I moved to Taipei, I just wanted to make a living in comedy. That's mm, it, you know, like mm. I didn't need to be like, you know, just a comic, you know, there's right. other ways to be involved in comedy for your life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do. So that situation that you described in Boston, you know, like three people coming at a time, there's yeah, yeah. 70 comics. It sounds very kind of uh, robotic, maybe dystopian in some way. I just get, yeah, get this yeah, kind yeah. of image. So it's interesting. It reminds me of and we talked about this off the mic before this is ChatGPT. Oh, yeah, yeah. How much do you think ChatGPT is or will change comedy? Man, I don't know. So I've been, it's funny. I've been working on this uh, TV show. I've been doing a little writing for it. And we have a segment. One of the segments is tech focus. So I was having ChatGPT write jokes for, yeah. and, and on the show, they'll be listed as ChatGPT jokes, right? Okay. For different topics, whatever like that. And um, it's wild. Some of them are good. Some of them are decent, you know? Oh, and this is just the one they're letting us play with for free, right? That's what I always have in the back of my head. It's like, oh, this is the one you're letting us play with for free. So you have the real motherfucker back there. Exactly. You know, the wizard. Headlining. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's probably right. Yeah, yeah. So like. Yeah, it's ready. It's ready to take everyone's spot. So, right. yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like AI is going to like, I mean, fuck up everything. Right. But at the same time, there's like stand up is live performance. Right. Mm -hmm. It's live. That's what keeps the art form kind of alive. Is that like the principle that anything that you watch on YouTube, if it makes you giggle, like you're going to die laughing if you see that live because the energy of a live show is unmatched. So once you get people into that, into that environment, then, you know, like, yeah. So, no, I'm sure, like, you know, it's going to come for all of us, right? Harvest right. our organs and we're all, we're all doomed. But, like, exactly. we're in the same pot with everyone else. We're all getting cooked. So mm. it's all good. Yeah, for now. Yeah, and AI do do? can't, you know, have timing or deliver, yeah. right? Well, and maybe they can, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> right? Can they? Are we sure yeah, about that? True Once that. they start just go through YouTube videos, they can't do that? Like, yeah. I'm sure they can, but uh, they can't so far physically embody a live performance, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but everything else, yeah, I'm sure they'll do better than everything else. Yeah, yeah. But oh, I mean, what am I, what am I going to do? Fucking spend time worrying about that shit? Like, right, you know, what the fuck? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So did you grow up loving comedy? When is, yeah, 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 yeah. what are your kind of yeah, yeah. earliest comedy memories? Man, uh, me and my dad would get the, uh, Chris Rock had those, uh, this before the CDs, we had the tapes of, uh, what were the two, the two tapes, like Bigger and Blacker, I think. Oh. And then, um, I forget what the other tape was, man, but the two, his two specials from the 90s, yeah. Yeah, mixed tape uh, generation. Yeah, and we just put those tapes in, drive around, listen to those tapes, like driving around. And uh, yeah, love those, love those tapes. Then watch some of like the old like Carlin and Pryor specials and things like that. And then really got into it in college, like the YouTube, like, you know, that's when Chappelle's first special came out, Killing mm. Them Softly. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, yeah, from there, it was just like always like super into comedy, but never really thought it would be like doing it myself, but like just was really into it, yeah. We talked about that last time as well. I mentioned 
Pryor and Carlin yeah, as yeah. my like just yeah. ultimate giants. I think you can me. kind of trace the like modern day stand up through those guys. Those are two different paths where Carlin was doing these like basically like monologues, right? These one hour, like they were stand up comedy. They were specials, but they were barely like, you know, he was doing stuff where at the end of a bit, he would like bow. It was like a monologue. Exactly. He delivered like, you know, like he wasn't <sighs> pretending to be conversational with, with his flow. Whereas mm-hmm. Carlin was like the ultimate, like, you know, like patter, like the talk, that talk, you know, <sighs> Carlin. And, um, and then you see like that. So like, you know, maybe the Carlin evolution is kind of through the more like leading towards the one man show style type thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then whereas Carlin is more of that pure kind of stand up, like, you know, going through, you can trace a line through both of them to whatever modern day stand up is. Right. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So who is on your Mount Rushmore of. Yeah, that's a good one. I comedy. mean, comedy. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, it's tough because I, I guess I got to put Carlin and Pryor both on there. It's like one of the things where it's like, okay, Lenny Bruce. Like, I've never seen fucking Lenny Bruce. You know, right, I've never right, seen right. any of his clips. I'm but sure. you're supposed to say Lenny Bruce. I'm so, yeah, I'm sure he was <laughs> the fucking man. You know, like, right. yeah. But like, I've never seen his clips. Whatever, That's like, true. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Yep. So like, for me, like, like how far back do I go? I get started with it, whatever, like that. So I'll throw on like, yeah, Carlin and Pryor. And then um, I think, uh, yeah, Chappelle. Chappelle and Rock, I like Chappelle for sure. And then like you got like Louis C.K. or Chris Rock. Those two would be like fighting out for like the, the last kind of spot for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then there's so many people that I love. Like, I don't know, like people would be like your favorite stand up. It's like food. You're like, what are you hungry for? Right. You know, if I want to hear that. someone like rant and rage, I'll listen to some Bill Burr. You know, if, I love Bill Burr. If I want to see some like some crowd work, like my favorite crowd work comic right now is this comic Jessica Kirsten. You ever mm. check her out, man? Ooh, She's I don't know. so fucking funny. Jessica Kirsten, man, is the best. Really? Um, yeah, and some of her, her crowd work clips are amazing. Yeah, so if I feel like that, if I want to watch some, like, just, like, amazing, like, blow-your-mind bits, I watch those early Chappelle specials, mm-hmm. you know, those earlier ones. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, you know, like, one of my favorite comics now is guy Shane Gillis, like, had a great special live yeah. in Austin. Um, you you know, introed so, me to that guy. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. So it's, it's all about like you know, like what you're in the mood for. You know, yeah. yeah, it's like food. You know, like I like hamburgers. I like sushi. I'm like I say, one of them is my favorite. You know, right, right. But right. Mount Rushmore, if you're being like, okay, the their their importance to the stand-up, I'll do yeah, Carlin and Pryor, and then Chappelle, and then yeah, Louis C.K. or Chris Rock, one of those two. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had a chance to see any of them perform live? No, never. Obviously oh, not. Damn. Pryor or Carlin, um, and right. uh, no. Or Lenny Bruce? Uh, yeah, yeah, Lenny Bruce. Yeah, actually, yeah, he, yeah, he came through Vermont. Uh, yeah, no, um, nice. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, no, yeah. So no, unfortunately, none of those guys live. Yeah, oh shit, yeah, really? Yeah, none of them. Yeah, because yeah, I, I mean, the live stand up and stuff like that, I didn't really get into, and especially producing shows until uh, it was here in Taiwan, right? Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I was there for uh, Louis C.K.'s live at the Beacon. Oh wow, believe, that one, yeah, yeah. And I would purposely, because I knew it was being recorded, so I purposely yeah. just start screaming when he oh, yeah. told a funny joke. I was like, I need to get on this recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm on there or not, but oh, yeah. Man. That's, li- that's very funny. That's very funny. <laughs> but he was. What if he's just like, who the fuck is Exactly. This, this mother. Bleep that shit out, man. Yeah, we'll, use the, we'll use the audio from the other, the other set. <laughs> exactly. they do two sets, right? They film two. 100%. Yeah. But um, he just released a new special. A new special just dropped. Oh, really? Yeah, the stuff he did, the live Madison Square Garden one, mm. he had filmed the special with that material previously. And the special just released, I think, today or this week. Oh, man. I'm to check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's making a bit of a comeback. Oh, a bit? Yeah, I think if you sell out Madison Square Garden a couple times, exactly. yes, you, you've come back. <laughs> you have come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Aye, aye, aye. He's so, uncanceled, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. canceled himself. Yeah. yeah, that's that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he went through some. Sh- 
Yeah, it's a weird one, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, the cancel stuff is, yeah, what, you know. It's just weird that he was getting, like, grouped in there, like, with the... Uh, he was getting grouped in with, like, Cosby or whatever. Like right, that. It's they like, were going all the way. It's like, he, like some distinction, right? Like, do we have any right. room for, like, a little... Right, some interpretation. Is there any nuance? Nuance, yeah, yes. Like, it's not the same as, as Cosby, right? But, yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, not that I condone uh, right. what he did, but, yeah. Yeah, what about that? So do you notice some kind of changes, you know, like in the the air, the atmosphere, right? With, yeah. you know, we're kind of dancing around it, but like this, you know, woke culture or... Yeah. It's so fucking annoying. And I, I, let me preface that by saying not even the, the woke part isn't the part that fucking annoys me so much. It's that there's like the... Just the way that our culture is like the, um, like what Bo Burnham had this line in his mm. inside set where he had that song at the end, a funny feeling where he's like the backlash to the backlash to the thing that's just begun. Oh, where oh that's Fucking funny. shit doesn't even get finished yeah. and people already backlash to that shit, right? And then so there's this perception yeah. of like woke comedy, right? There's this perception that you need to be woke. So what happens is you get people up going on stage being anti-woke, mm. but they're doing it against no one. There's no, right. there, it's all, it's everyone's fighting straw men. Nobody's actually talking to each other. Everyone is like the people who are woke, who are like against the patriarchy and shit like mm. that, like, you know, like are combating straw men and the people who are doing the backlash are combating straw men. Then neither of them are actually talking to each other or doing anything like the way this manifests in comedy. Unfortunately, most of the time is these fucking edgelord new comics who've never done an open mic set going up and you know like doing fucking offensive jokes and shit like that when they're like i don't care about like offensive material not but like the primary goal should be try to be funny right 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 and they're just like you know i'm not much of a woke comic myself it's like who like, who are you talking to right like, well who is this conversation with like <laughs> right. it's just like i'm just listening to a conversation you've had in your head for the last month you know and it's just like and you think that the first person you want to tell that to is a room full of strangers so it's just annoying um, all around. And so, like, obviously, 2-3, like, benefits a lot from diversity with our performing base. We host drag shows and drag performances. Mm. We're, like, very, very strong, like, in terms of, like, supporting diversity of expression and anyone who wants to come on stage and perform, right. making sure they feel safe and it's a good space for everyone. While at the same time, trying to balance that with this open mic ethos where if you put your name on the paper, you go on stage and there's no editing or censorship, mm. right? You can say anything you want. That five minutes is yours. We don't charge a ticket for a reason because we're not standing by the content of any particular open mic, right? Exactly. Balancing that with making sure that it still feels like a safe space, a place for performers to come in and express themselves and do things. So like, yeah, most of the time in terms of like, it's less dealing with the woke people because by and large, when you actually interact with the people who are performing, like people producing these drag shows, they're not concerned about like woke. Sh they're not mm. censoring you mm -hmm. or anything like that. They're just trying to do their own shows and have their own, they're mm -hmm. working hard in their, their own, own expression performing yeah yeah and then you have these people coming in these edgelord comics trying to do like this backlash and again it's the backlash to the backlash yeah, that's and funny. it's just like nothing ever settles nothing ever it's just immediately boom 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 yeah like so it's just uh it's just annoying all around yeah yeah man how do you stay above the fray with that i mean i just think as a business owner that's that must yeah. be so stressful if you pay attention to you know yeah the, for the, sure the you have to you know because people feel like you know the, there's been times when like you know like i can't help but notice that like our open mics are predominantly male you know right. and like a lot of them are like are white male you know and like i tell myself that like you know i have a completely open ethos to people signing up mm -hmm. and this is, again it's a piece of paper it's a meritocracy it's egalitarian mm -hmm. whatever like that but if you've been doing it for years and you're the one in charge of it and you recognize that the people doing it still represent a certain demographic there's probably blind spots right it's probably something that you're not seeing or ways of encouraging 
how do you do that without being patronizing? You know, mm. how do you do that with being, tonight's ladies laughs. It's, it's lady <laughs> laugh night. It's only girls telling jokes, you know, right. blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, that sounds patriot, you know, like yeah. patronizing as fuck. Exactly. You know, like why not like have a comedy night where girls can perform and stuff like that. And so, and diversity like has its own strength. You know, if you're seeing three people in a row that look the same, it gets boring. If you mm. see people who look different, have different perspectives, it's good. But if you start putting people on only because they're women or something like that, then it has its own problems where like maybe the show is if the only reason they're there is to fill a gap that's not fair to them either so it's mm. like it's i struggle with it constantly you know like yeah. where you know but the best thing you can do like i mean luckily most of the time it shakes out because in one way we're blessed that we the talent pool isn't so deep right right yeah that you can rarely whatever you want to say about me as a showrunner you can rarely point to like this really funny comic that i've left off shows you know mm. that's rarely happened where it's like right. man, you're not giving this very funny person opportunity it's like no normally there's like three or four people who are, who are really really good and a bunch of people who are okay and you know you're choosing from that kind of group or whatever mm. you know and then someone like jamie wong rises to the top or something like that and you're like yeah. it's undeniable you're yeah. all there in the room you see who's getting laughs okay yeah. so exactly yeah, yeah that's when it gets nice when you have a good show and everyone's getting laughs no one's worried about woke or not woke or anything like that just because let it's, go and laugh it's enjoy. just naturally because it becomes undeniable if it's making you laugh that's what you have to do that's the only way to actually combat this discourse part mm. is you just have to be so fucking good that you let go of that right 100 yeah, it's become undeniable yeah so how do we deepen the the pool here because you said you know the pool isn't so deep right um yeah and yeah, Jamie talked about that as well. I yeah. think that's well known here. And I think that is where Taiwan is, right? I mean, it's yeah. developing. So yeah, I mean, we're drawing English language performers from an English language population, exactly. Chinese speaking country, you know, so exactly. like, yeah. I think one of the biggest things is integrating with the Chinese language scene. We started mm. a bilingual mic once a month now mm. where performers have to do English and Chinese sets. So we're having more of the Taiwanese comics come over and kind of check out the English side oh, and maybe realizing cool. that, hey, they don't need to be scared if they're not perfectly fluent. They can still perform in English. Mm. So that would expand the pool a lot if we got more Taiwanese performers doing it in English. And then just also just like, I mean, I'm always believed in consistency is key, you know, that we built it. They will come. Pre-COVID, we used to have, you know, like 25, 30 comics signing up for open mics. We had to, like, go move to online, you know. COVID, that number went way, way down. I mm. believe it will build. It will come back again. So I'm not worried about that long term. Just right. be consistent. Do it right. Take care of some things, right? Make sure your host isn't doing too much time. Make sure that the show starts on time. Make sure that you're talking to comics who are new and things like that. If you take care of a few basic things and do it consistently, you'll be fine. So what does the next kind of five, ten years look like for 2-3 comedy or just yeah. the kind of comedy scene here in Taiwan from your perspective? I hope that what it looks like is um, is starting to regularly produce uh, international acts where maybe, you know, like moving from two or three times a year to four or five times. And I would love to start having monthly, like we're having international comics performing. Yeah, that'd be Make awesome. it a tentpole place as a club in Taiwan where people know and continue to grow that Chinese language scene at the same time mm. and watch that kind of build. I would love to have an international comedy festival in Taiwan. Um, that was something that would require getting the government on board a little bit with to help out with with visa stuff and to help out giving kind of permits and permission for us to do something on the cultural side. Right. Um, because we definitely would have interest in something like that. For sure. Uh, developing an international comedy festival, something similar to like Fringe or something like that yeah. here, in, here in Taipei and uh, and building that kind of thing out. And so that's where I see the, the next few years going here. 
and then um you know for me yeah that, so that's my focus yeah. yeah that's nice and we're taking uh steps in that direction as we mentioned yeah. with ron jossel ron jossel coming through yeah what day is that again that is saturday april 15th 8 p.m tickets sold at the door and how much is 500 500 it includes you, a drink man yeah dude. delicious 23 pijo Oh, yeah. there you go. So just come for the pijo if you're scared of comedy. It makes the comedy you're funnier. Scared right? of laughing. It makes us funnier, dude. Exactly. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I think we are about to get into some serious sh now. Oh hell yeah, man! We're gonna do a little fire lightning round of rapid questions, my man. Since you are the improvised king of the planet. Oh, bang. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're gonna let you. Uh, yeah, suck it, Fig. I'm the improv king. Exactly. <laughs> as long fig. as I have a microphone, yeah, I don't have to <laughs> play nice with anyone. Stand up is just one note improv, where it's just you just constantly just being meaner than the other person. <laughs> it's like doing it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's your chance. Yeah, yeah. All right, baby. So we are gonna do a fire lightning round of rapid questions. You can, uh, you can elaborate a bit, but keep it short or fast. Cool. Let's do All it. All right. Here we go. Hit me. Number one, what's the best reaction you've ever gotten from an audience? Oh, uh, definitely buying me a drink for sure. That's my favorite. If you think I'm funny, buy me a drink. I enjoy that very, very much. Yeah. What kind of drink? Uh, a beer. Buy me a beer. Yeah. yeah. What kind of beer? Uh, I'll do a 23 number one, Taiwan number one IPA. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. Specific. I yeah, love yeah. it. All right. Number two, you might have answered this. Who is your favorite comedian of all time and why? Dang, that's, that's like the food thing. I'll go Chris Rock because he was so important for when I was uh, growing up. Number three, how do you handle a heckler during your set? Depends. So recently I've been trying to think where I try to kill him with kindness. I'm no longer trying to be mean. Yeah, try to be nice. Bring him on board a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Take him along for the ride. Pete Grell in Hong Kong kind of showed me that. Yeah, really? you don't have to don't have to one note. You don't have to just be meaner. True. Yeah. You don't have to take him to the alley. Yeah, yeah. Don't take him to the alley. In fact, don't do that because I get my ass kicked in the alley. I suck at fighting. <laughs> nice. Next, what's the most embarrassing moment you've had on stage? Dang, that Tai Jung one was pretty bad, man. That Tai Jung, yeah. Uh, losing it in front of a heckler was pretty bad. Yeah, I, th I would say losing it and like totally losing the crowd. Yeah. Oh, Chinese open mic, trying to do a Chinese open mic and uh, forgetting all the words and having no Chinese language ability to fall back on to explain myself. So just slowly getting on Disintegrating. stage. Disintegrating. Brian asked the audience, raise your hand if you understood anything Sam said after the show. 50 people, two raised their hands. And I only because I had talked to them in English during the set. <laughs> That was, that was bad. Oh, shit. That was that's bad. Brutal. It was bad. Dude. I love it. Yeah, it was rough. What's the weirdest joke you've ever written? All right. Um, this isn't the weirdest one, but this one never works. So I was talking to you about that tomb sweeping stuff, right? About mm. how Americans would be too lazy. So I used to do this bit where I was like, Americans would get like, we'd get one of those robot vacuum cleaners for it, right? The Roomba. We wouldn't name a Roomba called Toomba. It'd be a Toomba. <laughs> every year for tomb sweeping, I try to do this Toomba joke and it fucking dies every single year. I like that one. Toomba is great, right? You dress it like a little fucking oriental, little dragon <laughs> tail on that shit right you know it's a tumba goes around cleans your tomb yeah yeah, yeah you we just barbecue gotta... and relax exactly everyone hates that joke really no one likes it yeah it works all Never right works. just keep iterating tumba next year maybe. exactly yeah. how do you come up with new material oh yeah, this is a classic i think of someone write a note in my phone then write on it later yeah that's it What's the most surprising thing you've learned about the comedy industry? About the comedy industry? Man, um, huh. 
and not to go too inside baseball, I think that touring comics are pretty well compensated, the ones who do the international tours. I thought that was good to know. And um, the comedy industry. Um, how much everyone knows each other. That's it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Small town. Everyone's fucking each other. Yeah. <laughs> if they are, they're not inviting me. Damn. I haven't, ah. I haven't been fucked by anyone. What's the most important lesson you've learned as a comedian? Consistency. Keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, comics get obsessed about, like, oh, I'm not going to go on stage until I have a new five minutes. Now, fuck, go up with your old five minutes. It's better to get the stage time. If you could have any superpower, but it had to be completely useless, what would it be? A useless superpower. God damn. What is it? Uh, everything I think of would be pretty useful. A useless superpower. Um, All right, Fig. You got him on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is such a Fig. Yeah, this is such an improv question. It's like, yeah, yeah. Give us a place. Fig's, doctor's Fig, office. And, uh, Fig sent this in. Fig sent this boyfriend. in. They're testing you. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I resigned from improv a while ago. All right. Um, a, 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 useless, a useless skill, man. Um, I wish I could lower my body temperature at, at will. <laughs> Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I get run hot sometimes. I wish I could I could just be like and chill. That's good. Ice cold. That's really good. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? And did you regret it? I did the live squid in Korea, you know, the the Wrigley squid ones. Yeah, that was pretty uh that was pretty good. I do not regret cuz that was delicious. And uh oh, just recently my girl was ordering, she was like, "Oh, I want to get this uh, soup It's called Lucifun." And I was like googling that shit whatever like that's like this is made with snails. Baby, we ordered snail soup to my house. Yeah, but it was good. It was tasty. So, yeah, yeah. Lucifun. Yeah. Snails. No, yeah, snails. If you could switch lives with any fictional character, who would it be and why? Scrooge McDuck. I want to dive in the money pool. That'd be sick. Yeah. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? I think uh, the, I'll take the horse-sized duck because I think that I have a natural rapport with animals. I think I'd be able to actually train it, and then I would have a new steed, a new mount for my uh, my voyages. That's how I'd get to and from the comedy club on my on my duck horse. Oh, yeah, 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 I'd fly to the comedy club. Yeah, on my horse chaps duck. on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. I'm a lover. Hat. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assless chaps and a cowboy hat. Yeah, it's the way to go. Yeah. All right. What's the worst job you've ever had and what made it so terrible might have heard about this one the, the barista one I, I can't i can't complain too much what made that job terrible was me i was i had a terrible <laughs> attitude and i sucked at being a barista i used to put on you know the song the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald gordon no. lightfoot it's an eight minute song about a boat wreck in the great lakes as this wailing guitar solo I used to put that song on every hour on the hour at the cafe when I was working. So you get some college students in there studying, and you see the first time they go, second time they go, the third time they'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" Song? It's an eight-minute song about a, a boat wreck in the in the Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah. No wreck way. of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Gordon Lightfoot. Check it out, man. Great song. Okay, yeah. got a recommendation there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So if you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be, and why? I would be, um, I would be, what's that one that fucking some people love and some people think it tastes like soap? Cilantro. I'd be cilantro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially yeah, in Asia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be cilantro. Yeah, yeah. Not for everyone, but I'm, I'm big in Asia. Oh, I like that. All right. Yeah. What's the most embarrassing song on your playlist? Oh, this is, so I, I still have this one on my playlist, man. I was, I was traveling, I was backpacking with my buddy Liam uh, after Korea, and we'd just done like an all night, like bus night, whatever, like that. And we both had the iPods with the music in, whatever. <laughs> he grabbed my iPod to see what I was listening to on this like bus ride you know this like check it out what you do and I was jamming seal kiss from a rose <laughs> and he fucking gave me so much shit about that he was like what the hell bro you were driving through China like yeah <laughs> you're a romantic baby. man yeah yeah baby just fucking cruising through like the, the Thai countryside listening to kiss from a rose from seal That's he's like amazing. of course you were yeah, yeah. 
Can you sing us a little? I don't have riff? the range, man. I'm sorry. I don't got the range. Yeah, yeah. I can't get up there. <laughs> got to go to the uh, yeah. KTV night at Two yeah. Three Comedy, and yeah. you might hear him singing I Seal. Might, I might, I might, I might sing if some Seal. Him, I, might, uh, I might sing Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> I might do an eight-minute song about a shipwreck in the Great Lakes. Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah. All right. If you could be any animal for a day, which one would you choose and why? I would be one of my cats because I spoil those bitches. Yeah. Oh shit, go yeah, bitches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the funniest prank you've ever pulled on or had pulled on you? Oh, in Korea, um, they had this fucked up thing, and it's crazy that they ever let people do that. You could change the outgoing number of your text messages, so I could text you SMS, and it would appear as somebody else. So um, every Saturday, I would text my friend Liam that he had to sub a Saturday class, and he would go down to the school, like, because he would be, and he, from the boss. be from the boss's number. Yeah, yeah. So we would pop, pop in. The, yeah. Oh, the other good one is uh, there was a bar in Massachusetts we go to that had a jukebox, and I would go and put put three dollars in, which would get you six songs. And I would put Alice's Restaurant. I don't know if it's Woody or Arlo Guthrie. It's a 25-minute song. <laughs> I'd put it on six times in a row. So that's three hours of content. So people would be going and be like, where's my fucking Rolling Stones? They'd be like, you got another four and a half hours of Alice's Restaurant to get through. No and that's being the quote. Like, Did you fucking do this? And we're like, yeah, bro, that's me. Yeah, so that's- I about, see yeah. a theme here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about with, you and long-ass songs. Fucking with long-ass songs, man. Alice's Restaurant is classic. Damn. Classic. I got Okay. I got to check yeah, that out. yeah. If you had to describe yourself as a sandwich, which ingredients would you have? What ingredients would I have as a, as a sandwich? Uh, man, I'm just thinking, I'm kind of hungry, so I'm just thinking of sandwiches I want to eat now. So I'd be an Italian hoagie, man. I'd be like, but not, not that BMT shit. I'd be like, with the real, that real nice ham from the Italian thing. Because I'm yeah, fancy. Like a capicola. Yeah, capicola. Ooh, yeah, you know, capicola. a little mortadella on there too. A little, like that fancy bolognese on there. Yeah. Exactly. Spicy peppers. Yeah, I'd probably give you indigestion and shit, but it'd be worth it. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. It comes out nice and smooth as well. There we go. Just like Hell yeah. We made it all the way through without talking about shit. Shit, that was nice. We did it almost. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. We were at the home stretch. We exactly. got one in. Yeah, one in. What would be your go-to karaoke song if you had to sing in front of a crowd? You know what I do is I do uh, "Forgot About Dre" and I do the Eminem part because I can talk real fast, so I can do that. Because oh, I don't have a good damn. voice, but that's that Eminem part is fast, so it's impressive because it's just quick. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just do that. You're a hardcore white boy. I'm a hardcore white boy, man. Damn. Yeah. I don't even need to look at the screen. I'm like, you don't understand. This is years of walking around my parents' house with headphones on, angrily washing dishes be like, exactly. no one understands me <laughs> the eight mile of vermont yeah, yeah exactly yeah lose yourself spaghetti spaghetti yeah yeah just washing dishes angrily in my parents house in the snow it's a misunderstood teenager yeah. if you could have any celebrity as your personal assistant who would it be and why a celebrity as my personal assistant Choose, choose carefully, sir. I would choose. Um, I would choose one of those pro wrestlers. I want a big and a, like a, a large like looking Kane. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe yeah, like Prime Undertaker or something like that. And then they can move heavy objects easily for me and then intimidate people in my path. Yeah, that would be perfect. I would choose Prime Undertaker. Yeah, I want to see that at Two Three Comedy. That'd be awesome, Doorman. Yeah. <laughs> if you were stranded on a deserted island and could only bring three things, what would they be? We're not talking like food and water and shit like that. Yeah, like that. No. I have an unlimited supply of coconuts. In this exactly. You hypothetical have coconuts. Uh, situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I would bring um, uh, I would bring a, a, a basketball. I like to hoop. Um, I, I'll bring a basketball, and I would bring a um, I would bring uh, I like to cook. So I'd bring a little like you know I'd bring a little like little, one of those little Bunsen burner stovetop type mm. things, and then I would bring a satellite phone so I could get the fuck off that <laughs> island. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm dying in a week. You don't want to be staying there. I'm dying in a week, man. Like with I'm, Wilson, the I'm, I'm useless. I'm useless. I have no survival. Anything. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> if you could swap lives with any historical figure for a day, who would it be and why? Damn, that's such a good one. Um, um, I would go with um, man. We were talking about this earlier, man. I'd go with one of the. Uh, I'd go with one of the cons. I would want. I want to be a Mongolian con for a day. Not during any raping and pillaging. I'm not trying to get down like that. But I want to be that. Uh, just like really sick at riding a horse. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And have a big, a vast army pledged to me behind me. Whatever. Yeah. I'd probably fuck up the game though. I'd get killed in that day or something like that. I'd mess it up. Yeah. I'd ruin some decor, <laughs> some conage. <laughs> I want to take this back immediately. I would die. <laughs> and probably everyone smelled nasty as hell back then too. That probably was not a good time to smell, man. Yeah. Everyone smelled bad before, man. So I'd maybe. Maybe I'd switch out with somebody more recently, man. Yeah, Who smells better. Yeah, I may. Yeah, maybe like, uh, like, yeah, JFK or like one of his sickest days, just being like a cool, handsome president. Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah, I'm sure he smelled really good. He smelled good as hell, man. Marilyn loved that. He smelled good as hell, bro. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he like a crazy alcoholic and a pillhead too? Wasn't Dude, he, like he was. The, those Kennedys get down. Man, we were there back in the day where presidents could be pillheads. Be, yeah. <laughs> Our country's lost its way. Man, yeah. I know. The good old days. Mm -hmm. If you could have any fictional character as your best friend, who would it be? I would definitely choose some kind of dragon. Uh, I'm trying to figure what dragon I would want to choose. Now. I'd choose Smaug. I'd choose the Bilbo dragon. Yeah, I'd have that guy. He was clever. He's got the Benedict Cumberbatch voice, whatever. Yeah, he'd be my Ooh, friend. Yeah, smooth, yeah. smooth, smooth. Yeah, yeah, I'd choose Smaug. Would you rather have the ability to fly or to be able to? To turn invisible at will. Uh, fly and anyone who says invisible is a fucking pervert, dude. <laughs> Get them out of your studio. Anyone who says invisible is fucking wild. Whenever you're like Kick favorite superpower and people like invisible, like fuck you. Get yeah. away from that person. Yeah, you're a creep, you motherfucker. Pass the test. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I still be cool. No, no, you're a fucking creep, dude. Yeah, you're a creep. Absolutely, fly, 100. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you fly? Where would I fly? You creep. Where would I fly? I would fly. Um, I would, I would, I, you know, I love my life so much. I'd fly to two, three comedy. No. Um, oh damn. I would fly. Um, I don't, where would I fly? I'd fly to an island, man. Uh, I'd fly to a deserted island You'd go with back my to Bunsen burner. Island. Yeah, yeah, with my Bunsen burner and my basketball. Um, yeah. No, I'd fly. Yeah, I'd fly to. Right now, I'd fly to Australia, man. Melbourne Comedy Festival happening. Right now. Oh so shit. Fly. Yeah. That'd be a long fucking flight. I'd prefer a teleportation way to flying. Right. True. People underestimate. Like, when you fly, you get into like you run into bugs and shit like that. You get like yeah. your shit smeared, man. Yeah. Yeah. Get like some weird drafts. Yeah, dude. You might it end up be somewhere chill. else. It'd be chilly as fuck up there. Like they don't open plane doors. It, like it yeah. gets cold. Everyone's like, I want to fly, and they don't think of any of this shit through. I choose teleportation. Yeah. Teleportation. All right. What's the craziest dream you've ever had? Man, I mean, I'm obviously not going to tell you because it's weird and deeply sexual. So and um, perverted. <laughs> yeah. So, Invisibility. Yeah, yeah. No. So um, uh, I feel like I had some dream. Uh, I've had a bunch of dreams recently about uh, doing stand up and forgetting my set. It's like an anxiety dream I've had recently. Whoa. Yeah, you get up on stage and you just fucking bomb and don't forget and forget all your shit. Yeah. That's a nightmare. It's close to home. Yeah. It's bad news. Yeah. Who was the greatest teacher in your life and why? I'll exclude my family because my mom and dad obviously were uh, were huge lessons to me. Uh, mm. um, I was super lucky uh, for stand-up running into Rob and like guys like Andy early on. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is bread and butter. I'll go with a, a generic uh, a college professor, the guy, uh, Professor Farrell at McGill. The great uh, political science teacher. He was a great teacher. Got me, uh, helped me uh, get my shit together to you know, get good grades the last year of my college. Mm. Told you that. never to wear a suit in your life. I mean, never. He says, "Don't fucking wear a suit." And you're like, "Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah." 
Don't wear shorts on stage either. Yeah. True. Cargo shorts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brian, come on. Clean it up. All right. Finally, what is the meaning of life? Easy question for you. What's the, what's the meaning of life that you had there? Um, there is none, man. Um, no, we're all here by accident, so just make the fucking best of it, dude. Bro. Nihilism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just have a good time, man. Have a good time. Try to push, push through. <clears throat> Probably at some point, settle down, make a family, something like that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you're going to join Brian pretty soon. Yeah. Have yeah, some yeah. babies. Not too soon, man. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Does the girlfriend know about that? Believe me. <laughs> She's on it, man. <laughs> okay, amazing. So, finally, what is your advice to young comics? Maybe especially in Taiwan, man. I would then, say do especially it. Especially ones yeah. who are maybe trying to do it in English. Do it, man. Do it. It's like the, uh, I think comics way overrate the value of writing and way underrate the importance of stage time and getting on stage. And they wait, they let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? They want their set to be perfect and they, they don't push themselves to get on stage when they're not comfortable, when they're not ready. They think everything has to be right. And if you really like doing comedy, nothing, you're going to have to perform when you're not ready, when it's not right. And the sooner you can get used to that. The biggest skill that you can acquire in doing stand up is getting used to being on stage, is getting unafraid of the light and unafraid of the people watching you. Mm. And the only way way you do that is by doing it it's the most important distinction between being a new comic and an experienced comic is comfort on stage so the more you can push yourself to get that comfort in early the more you're going to thank yourself if you like doing comedy right the people who think about doing comedy for years man it's like it's like man if you think about it for six months like well i'm going to do you know like you know 50 shows in those six months so you imagine if you do it and then you do like it you can look back and be like i could be six months better by now yeah. but i'm not you know and mm. so that's what i say is do it is you get up and do it and and push yourself to do it when you're not ready and when you're not comfortable because mm. it's not supposed to be like easy and just something that's like you're always ready to do. Do you recommend them to get a van and yes, drive van, around? Get a van and fight Taiwan. people. And <laughs> tai Jung, yes, you need to yell and fight the crowd. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, find the, it's like prison. You find the biggest person in the audience and you fight and them just the go first straight day. at them. You say, yeah, yeah. Just you do say, it. Just walk down this alley. Yeah. And then, yeah. Don't be a chicken. Don't be, don't be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't be a G-Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, man. That is a beautiful message. Hell yeah, bro. Just do it. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, thank you so much. This Sam super Yarbs, fun, man. That yeah. was amazing. I yeah, am man. looking forward to, uh, there's a date. Um, April, April 15th. 15th. Ron Jossel. Ron Jossel is in the house. Yeah, you got to check that out. Yeah. It's only 1,000 NTD. For two people. <laughs> For two people. Yeah. 1,000 NTD. Special. Yeah. 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 And two drinks. Yeah, exactly. Two drinks. 500 gets you a ticket to see a professional international touring comedian who's blowing up. Man, it's not a better deal on a Saturday night, bro. Come out. You're going to be there. I am going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Sam will probably be there. I'll be hosting. Yeah, yeah. Sam will be hosting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. And again, Ron will probably be there. Ron's going to be there. Yeah, we're going to get <laughs> him there when we there. put him on that plane. No, he's good. Exactly. He's, the guy's a pro, man. Can't fuck with Ron. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I am so looking dude, forward to it. thank you that. so much for this, man. I really yeah. appreciate it, dude. 100%. Yeah. Appreciate awesome. it, brother. Yeah, yeah. All right. See you soon, everyone. Cheers, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hell yeah, man. Oh.